right, everybody, welcome to Full Throttle TV. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host, as always... Ronaldo. Oh, man. Um, for, uh, before I get into the episode, um, this week we're discussing Magna P.I., Simon & Simon, and Matt Houston. And uh, I have to say, could you see me rocking out to that theme song? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, That is not the original theme song of Magna P.I., the original Sorry. one, the original one was kind of like a, a Dallas. It, it felt more soap opery, you know. Uh, Is that a word? Opery. Opery. I'm making up words. I got the right to do that as an American man. Um, that works. Yeah, it's 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 an inter- interesting tune. It's not that bad, but it's that second one that you just like, yeah. You, you oh just yeah. Like, just it, it's awesome. And uh, a few things change. The opening does change, not just the theme, but like the way they set it up. But in general, the show kind of stayed the same. But not, um, you know how a lot of TV shows back then, it was just the same old, same old every single week. And there was no real progression. Magna P.I. Right. didn't really have that. It's one of those shows you can tell as you go through the seasons, oh, the characters have changed and, you know, like little relationship tweaks here and there. I hate shows where um, you could watch it in season six and then go and watch this episode from season two and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. I mean, there's no progression whatsoever. Uh, I... Mm. I don't know though. I enjoyed that scene. I enjoyed it throughout the whole of the series. So they must have done something right, in my opinion. But no, no. I, I, was, it, I was saying Magna PI did get it right. There's some shows uh-oh. I swear to you that were on forever, never. Like what Law and Order was on for like what 20 years, and I honestly, right. if it wasn't for the cast change, I wouldn't know. Nothing ever changes. It's the same thing every day. You never care about the characters. It's just procedure, procedure, procedure. Um, gotcha. Uh, I like Dukes of Hazard, but there's a lot of Dukes of Hazard seasons where it's it doesn't really progress. The characters is just uh, uh, the uh, adventure of the week kind of thing. Yeah, I'm sorry, but the uh, character changes on that show kind of <laughs> they want to go away. They completely change the characters. We're not saying sorry. the character is evolved at all. It's <laughs> like now you guys are out. I'm not going to pay you anymore. And then we're like, what were their names? What were the two cousins that came Vance, in? Vance and Coy. Yeah. Poor guys, they'll never, yeah. they'll never be remembered for anything else other than the fact that they. <laughs> that's that's the point when the show kind of ah. That sucks. Magna PI. It was on. It was, of these shows that we discuss, most of them only run for three or four seasons. A few of them only last one season. This is probably the granddaddy of them all. This was on for eight seasons. Actually, I think Simon and Simon was on for eight seasons as well. But usually shows back then, they kind of wore their welcome up pretty fast if you didn't have a really strong plot. If you're just about cars or a certain gimmick, people burned out pretty fast. Right. I think Magnum had that whole uh, Vietnam vet thing going on that I think helped out quite a bit as far as his fan base. Yeah. um, I think my favorite episode is... I'm going to forget the title of it. Do you remember the rain, or did you see the rain? It's it's uh, uh, the movie. It's like a two-hour episode at the beginning of season three, where it's completely um, bounces between his time as a POW and then now, and the guy who held them captive is uh, yes. hunting, trying to get his revenge. It's it's a it's a tough episode. Yeah, I I started watching. I watched the beginning of every season. That's all I was able to get undone. And I did not finish the third one, but I know what you're talking about. But it seems to me like that's how they brought in every, every season, it seemed like. <laughs> yeah, and there was death. There was actually death and consequences. It was, um, it's an adventure, a detective show, but it, uh, I think it was part of the new class of shows where it was a little more realistic and a little darker, yeah. deeper um, plots. 
instead of, well, this one's over, let's just basically erase that history and start over again at the next episode. There's real consequences in the show, and uh, so there are times when it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Now, if you have never seen the show, these are going to be some spoilers here, but um, I don't think you made it this far, but uh, at the end of Season 7, uh, no, uh, sorry, it's, I think it's at the beginning of Season Crap, I'm screwing it up. I saw so many episodes right in a row. I, I have to tell you, I marathon watched this. So uh, it's a little hard for me. I, I, I did jump a few episodes, but um, there's an episode where his ex-wife and his daughter are blown up. And you could not believe it. And not only that, but Magnum also dies at the end of season seven. He goes to heaven. And you said there were eight seasons? Yeah, there's eight seasons. Okay, so the series is supposed to end on season seven. He's shot. He goes to heaven. They keep calling his name for him to come back. And he realizes that he's lost everything that matters to him, and he's at peace. So he goes to heaven, and that's it. And you're like, holy crap! And then uh, I guess the fans were so upset, because there's a lot of love for Magnum, and Tom Selleck, period, that he said, you know what, let's, let's go back and find a way to make it possible for my character to live and end the season right. And it was, it's just a beautiful moment. It's one of the few times where a show makes a decision that the fans aren't happy with, and fix it without destroying the continuity. Now, was there, speaking of plot twists and things like that, I did not see the end. I remember, I vaguely recall, and I could be completely off base on this, but wasn't Robin Masters, or do I not want to throw a spoiler in there? No, no, it's fine. I already did. Is Higgins Robin? Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, Higgins admits in the very last episode that he is Robin Masters. He finally okay. gives up because uh, Thomas quit. Wait, I say Tom Selleck. I'm sorry, Magnum quit. Wait, it is Thomas Magnum. Sorry. Thomas, uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, he quits and he goes, before I leave, you've got to tell me, man. I don't work for you anymore. Can you just tell me who is Robin Masters? Are you Robin Masters? And he says, yes. But then in the last minute of the very last episode, he is at Rick's wedding. And uh, he's standing there waiting for the bride to show up. And uh, Higgins turns to him and he goes, Magnum? And he goes, yes. You remember the time that I told you that I was Robin Masters? And he goes, well, yeah, you just told me. And he goes, I lied. I lied. Okay. He, he lied well, to him just to mess with him. <laughs> I love Higgins. Um, but here's the truth about um, Robin Masters. Is, um, for the first couple seasons, Orson Welles was supposed to be Robin Masters. He voiced him, and uh, like on phone calls or what whatnot. And uh, he was supposed to show up in like season three or four, and then he passed away. So it never oh. happened. So that's when they started just balancing the idea of, well, who is Rob Masters? And then kind of like teasing you the whole way. Right. It's, it's like taking a bad situation and uh, spinning it into something that's just so wonderful. Yeah, I, I like the fact that they actually didn't reveal him, but <clears throat> still. The I, I, reason I was asking is because when I was watching, uh, you know, obviously receiving calls from Robin Higgins received calls from Robin. I'm like, I thought he was Robin. Yeah. <laughs> see, like, yeah. See, I'd only seen maybe a couple dozen episodes. Like they used to show it when I was a kid in the afternoons, like at three o'clock. And my mom's a huge fan. She's seen every single episode and she was like, you gotta see this show. It was a little mature for me. I wasn't really prepared for like the sophisticated characters. And, uh, so I mean, I enjoyed it, but I didn't stick with it. I'm sure there's some right. cartoons that I would rather watch. And uh, watching it now, I'm just like, this is right in my wheelhouse. Um, just now, I'm starting to discover the more mature shows from our childhood, like Hill Street Blues, 
Miami Vice and stuff like that, trying to go back and like, okay, so a lot of the stuff in the 70s and 80s was fluff, you know, and, uh, but there's, there's a handful of gems in there that really need to be appreciated. Definitely. And, and, and uh, there's a lot of these kind of like detective shows at this time period, but what makes this show so wonderful is the camaraderie between the four guys. TC, um, I actually like TC a little bit more than Magnum, which sounds crazy, but he's such a fun character. He's always so put upon. He's like, oh, what, what now? <laughs> <laughs> and who, do, who, would, who would want to be TC? Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, his family stuff in there. They, they talk about his son, his, his marriage, and stuff like that, and it's kind of cool that he was kind of like the family man. Well, everybody else was kind of like single. I still don't understand what was going on with Higgins. There was an episode where he was going to marry some fancy British lady just for uh, the status, you know, the, the class status of it all. Not realizing the person who loved him was right in front of his face, and he blew that up so bad. Oh, yeah. It's like the story of... That's the oldest story <laughs> anyway. Um, you never see what's right in front of you. Yeah. Uh, so um, I didn't know this. I knew that uh, Magna P.I. and Simon and Simon existed in the same universe because they had crossover episodes. But I didn't know that there was a crossover with Murder, She Wrote. I think I remember that crossover, but I did not know they did Simon and Simon. That's Yeah, they're that's... The, I think it's the opening of season two is when uh, they visit each other. Like he comes to L.A. and then they go to Hawaii. And uh, there was also a plan, I kid you not, there was a plan spinoff or uh, crossover with Equalizer and Quantum Leap. Oh, that would have been interesting. Right before Quantum Leap got canceled, I think, if I remember correctly, last season is not a full season. They had a couple episodes left over they were going to do, but they uh, cut the order. And they were going to end season five with him jumping into Magnum's body. So therefore, if you think about it, okay, so you got Magnum, Simon and Simon, Murder, She Wrote... And then those two shows, they would have had the Avengers of Detectives. <laughs> no kidding. And uh, there's also a, a very short-lived TV show uh, called uh, Whiz Kids with um, Matthew Lobardo. You know, he's the he was on um, he was Albert on uh, Little House on the Prairie. Yes. Did you ever see that show, Whiz Kids? I did see. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember Albert was in it, and that's it. Yeah, I think there's some episodes on YouTube, but it's basically like four kids who solve mysteries using technology and. Right. Uh, and that means they were also part of the universe. This is crazy because besides like Happy Days, there was really no universes like the tied shows. So this is actually quite unique. I forgot about Happy Days. Yeah, or, Happy Days has a ton of spinoffs. Yeah. Oh, Laverne and Shirley was there too, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, okay, it's, uh, it's Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, uh, right. Joni Loves Chachi. Joni right. Loves Chachi. Um I feel like there's another one in there somewhere. but uh, And then, of course, there's Archie Bunker. I think they had a couple spinoffs with uh, Maude and uh, Jefferson's, I believe, are from that show. Yeah. But that would have been cool. Seeing Quantum Leap, I could, I could see the other ones being crossed over, but Quantum Leap would have just really threw it out there. Yeah, it would have been, it would've been weird because it's not part of the detective world. But, you know, at first, when I, I heard about the idea that they were going to jump in the shows and stuff like that right at the end when the ratings were starting to drop. And uh, I was like, so is he jumping into the TV show? Does he find a way into actual film and video? But no, the uh, creator of Magnum P.I., or the co-creator of Magnum P.I., is also the creator of Airwolf and mm -hmm. Quantum Leap and then uh, Jag. Love Jag. Oh, and NCIS. And then NCIS. Well, that guy, did, Donald Bellisario does a lot of shows. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of great shows, honestly. You know what's funny is, you know, there was a couple years where... Tom Selleck seemed bitter that he lost Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know, he was tied to the contract for Magnum P.I. 
And uh, so he missed out on Raiders Lost Ark. But the weird thing is I still never understood why is it they couldn't wait? You know, uh-huh. they, they did the Magnum P.I. movie first and then the series launched later. Why couldn't they have waited four more months? Do you realize how huge? I mean, Magnum P.I. was already a big hit. But it would have been like number one, the hottest thing on the planet if he had done Raiders Lost Ark between them. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure he would have done a fantastic job. I don't know. I think they had the right guy for that one. <laughs> I can't argue with that, but I always thought that was weird. It's like, why don't you just let him go for a couple more months? Duh. I've seen him in, uh, what was it? Obviously, he's done a couple westerns, but uh, one movie that stands out, when I was driving truck, every truck stop sells these cheap old DVDs in these thin cases, and one of them was called Concrete Cowboy. Oh, my yeah. God. Have you seen that? I, I own it. You do? It's great, I isn't it? I thought it was absolutely hilarious. But yeah, for uh, listeners who don't know, this is a pilot movie with Tom Selleck. By the way, Tom Selleck was cursed. He was like in a, a crap ton of pilots that never took off. Yeah. Uh, he did it with Jerry Reed. And yes. um, the pilot and they did, worked awesome together. <laughs> and, and the pilot did well, but they saw potential in um, Tom Selleck having a different show. And Jerry Reed was busy, I think, with Smokey and the Bandit 2. So they couldn't do it immediately. So by the time uh, Concrete Cowboys came around to a series, they had to recast Tom Selleck. It only lasted like six episodes. But the show's decent. It's very, very hard to find. But that first movie is great. I love Jerry Reed, too. Oh, yeah. Of, of his movies, post, you know, or, you know, of the movies that Tom Selleck did, which is your favorite? Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, the Australian... Where he's in Australia. Oh, Quickly Down Under. That's probably Quickly his best. Quickly Down Under. I have a soft spot for um, Runaway, the one he did where he fights Gene Simmons and has all those little robot spiders. I've not seen that one. What? No, what? Oh, uh, Michael Crichton. <laughs> both of them. <laughs> okay, Michael Crichton, the, the creator of Jurassic Park, was a director for a while. He did Westworld and about like five other movies. Uh, he did Runaway, and basically it's uh, set, it's filmed in 1984, but it's set like 10, 15 years later where robots are more of a commonplace thing, like people have robots in their house that do like just generic errands. And Tom Selleck's job is, he's a specialist in LA where he, if anything goes wrong with robots, like there's a crime committed by a robot, he's the one that specializes in that. And they have this opening scene where a robot discovers a gun and doesn't really understand what it does and how it does things or whatever, and it just starts opening fire. So he has to go in in this this special outfit that the the robot can't see his body heat. And uh, it's stuff like that, but it turns out a lot of these robots are being programmed by Gene Simmons, who's like a gun-for-hire terrorist kind of thing, who is wiping out a bunch of people associated with this corporation uh, by using the robots. And so there's normal everyday robots, and he has like these little spiders that inject acid and then explode. And then he has this gun that uh, has bullets that track your body heat, your body signature, and it'll take you right. out. I mean, you could be in a crowd of 20 people, and you just fire a bullet, and it'll go through those 20 people and hit the right target. And uh, Tom Selleck is so great in the movie. The movie's it's dated a little bit because, obviously, the special effects are kind of meh, but that's just the way movies are. But he is absolutely top-notch in that role. I'm looking at the uh, case of this one right now. And looking at the case, I think I may have seen it, but... You can take that with a grain of salt because anything in the 80s came out with the case looking the exact same. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it was a bomb. He actually stopped making movies for three years until Three Men and a Baby came along because Runaway bombed so badly. But here's the reason. Um, you put a lower-budget sci-fi movie, I think it cost like $12 million, up against Star Trek Three, Terminator, oh. and uh, uh, I think it was Starman. 
You know, I had like that, and I th- it was like just a whole bunch of stuff that Christmas that it went up against, and it just got murdered. Oh, bad timing. Yeah. Um, so the cars in Magnum P.I. hit me. Hit you. Well, there's really only one car, but then there's a chopper. A, choo- a cool chopper. I'll say there's, there's multiple cars in it, but we're going we're gonna to focus on just a few because we only have so much time. So there were three cars used you know, throughout the series. First one was a 79 308 GTS Ferrari. Um, let's see. Yeah, like I said, three. I lost it. <laughs> 1981 308 GTSI was uh, prevalent in the second and third seasons. And then from then on, they used the 1984 308 GTS. Let me butcher this Italian word. Quattro Valvole. Something like that. <laughs> Finished out the series. But unless you're a diehard Magnum fan, you, would re- uh, you wouldn't know this. There was actually a fourth car, or and then it was a different color. But there was an 84 308 as well. Um, this one was green, and it was driven in the episode Summer School in Season 6. Driven by Robin's nephew. He's a no-good punk dropout nephew. <laughs> <laughs> it had a plate number. Okay, so you want an idea how rich this Robin Masters is? Yeah, I'm always His plate curious. number was Robin 23 which suggests he had at least 23 other vehicles. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, this particular car, the 308, designed by none other than Pininfarino's Leonardo Fioravanti. Hmm. Did I say that right? Does that sound Italian enough? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but his guy is the guy who designed the beast of Italian fury, the Ferrari F40, and this is the car that made me love Ferrari. That was before I really got into Magnum. Then I got, okay, not a big deal. Um, here's an interesting note on that car, on any of the cars. Tom Selleck is six foot four inches tall. Big man. What, that, what does that mean to you? It means it's very hard to get in that car. <laughs> exactly. Cracking your head every episode. Son of a... <laughs> eight seasons he had to ride in a car with no padding in the seats. <laughs> seasons. The seats bolted all the way back, and if you notice, if you look in the scenes, you'll see that his head's still above the freaking windshield. <laughs> I would hate to get run under a tree or something. Anyway, <laughs> anywho, the cool thing is uh, this iconic car was a product of fate. You know where they wanted him to drive? Uh, I don't want to know. Is it bad? The, the Porsche 928. Oh. It's, it's not like the, the, the 911. That's... Everyone thinks Porsche, these think the 911. The 928 looked more, in my opinion, more, well, definitely 80s, but more uh, fan, the, like the family. <laughs> Not like you can fit your whole family in it by any means, but anyway, I, I think they picked the right car. But the only reason they didn't go with the Porsche is because Porsche are a bunch of, uh, they're very protective over their property. They would not modify the car so they could get their aerial shots. They huh. needed a wider roof so they could take aerial shots. You know, it's Hawaii. you got to yeah. be up in there. Anyway. Um, anywho, that being said, moving on. Of course, there were a lot of awesome cars. Oh, hold on. One one interesting note on the uh, 308. They actually drove those cars through a lot of, for a lot of the scenes, and they were actually Ferraris unlike some other cars. Oh, yeah, because we've, we've had a couple one. episodes where they're like, oh, well, they're just kit cars. Yep. Except for one. Uh, this isn't the exception of the rule, but there were a lot of shots where they shot with the actual Ferrari, and Ferrari actually let them do it, which is awesome. But for the really aggressive shots, they used what? Uh, uh, let me see. 
they had to use a kit car. You use a Ferrari, you're going to be like, oh, this is too expensive. Anyway, this was this was the particular kit car that made me want this particular car growing up. Yeah. It was a Pontiac Fiero. Oh my God, I remember those. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun little death trap. That's what it was. <laughs> oh my God, I remember when uh, we had a friend that got one. And he thought it was the yeah. greatest thing ever, but then you sat and you're like, "Did what died in here? This is like a, a, a destroyed, ugly mess." It's like, yeah, I got it for a couple hundred dollars. Like, it looks like it cost a couple hundred dollars. Ugh. But it probably did die. Yeah. <laughs> Just bang it out here and there would be good. Okay, so of course there's a lot of great cars, you know, uh, shots with the Ferrari, but we can't forget TC. Oh, that chopper! I see. I, the car was awesome, but I was a huge fan of helicopters as a kid. Um, a lot of, you know, you can, you can see because I'm obsessed with Airwolf, but that helicopter is so awesome. That helicopter was a huge 500D, the most popular, agile, reliable chopper of the time. Uh, it was based after, off of a military chopper, which is, didn't he, he flew in the military right. in Vietnam, right? right yeah, right. so he was obviously, you know, um, I don't think he flew those, but, um, and then of course, oh, actually one note on that chopper. You think that paint job he chose? You think he chose that paint job for his business? Uh, I thought so. I thought so too. That was actually a, actually a factory option. What? <laughs> oh, that's yeah. so awesome! That is the epitome of the '70s and '80s. I tell oh you right there. <laughs> that's killer. We can't get away from Magnum PI and TC without mentioning, or you know, what do you call the honorable mention? Yeah. Who, who didn't want one of these growing up, especially if you're in college and into things that were questionable. A mustache? 19... <laughs> I had one of those, and I had it in, high, in junior high. Do you, remember, anyway. do you remember when he took it off? He did a movie in the early 90s. Uh, There's Mr. Baseball, which is like an awesome movie, but he did one called Folks, where he basically is taking care of, uh, care of his dad, Don Amici, and for some uh -huh. reason, he decided to get rid of his mustache and buzz his hair. And you look at the cover, you're like, is that i have no idea who that is that movie made nothing that made like a buck 50 and it's because he took all the facial hair off what was he thinking what? No! he has a face for facial i mean some people look weird without facial hair you, you just uh you gotta have it yep yep i'll tell you i'm, I'm starting to grow yeah pun intended it's starting to grow on me whenever yeah. i try to take it off i feel like i don't feel right anymore <laughs> yeah i tried shaving i was like oh, who, who are you baby face <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. What did everybody Oh, you're want? fine. You're fine. <laughs> okay, I don't have much on this one because, you know, if anybody's in any, anybody who's anybody who's a car nut knows enough about these that I don't need to say anything more. 1983 Volkswagen Vanagon. <laughs> the microbus. The Vanagon? <laughs> Vanagon? Did I say that wrong? No, I always say Vanagon. It's, it's, I'm an idiot. Volkswagen? The Noggin. That works. <laughs> anyway, that's all I have on those. So. Well, Rick drove that Datsun. I always thought that was pretty cool. They didn't oh, they didn't right. show his car off that much. Uh, Nissan, uh, Nissan something. Nissan uh, 130? I had a Mercedes. What's that? That's what I remember. But, I, yeah, he did have that other thing. I oh, guess. you know what? That's right. That's in the first season or two. Um, Mercedes came in, like, later in the show. Okay. Yeah, he was kind of underutilized character. Uh, I never really knew what to do with Rick. Rick always seemed to be kind of like a... Well, we gotta have somebody to you know move the plot along, and he always seemed to show up. He's an okay right. character, but I always thought he got kind of shafted. Yeah, seemed kind of shady. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, uh, there's times. It might be the fact that he owned that club. You know, they always seem like he seemed like the guy. Um, you know, like Huggy Bear and Starsky and Hutch. He was always like the guy yeah. who had the information, the connection to the guys who were kind of sketchy. He always seemed yeah. to be that guy. <laughs> Is he mob? We don't know. Mob. Uh, I just I just found this out. I was looking at uh, some of the cast members. Okay, so I, I, Frank Sinatra is probably the most famous guest they ever had on that show because he came out of retirement to do an episode. Uh, I actually think that episode's severely overrated. Um, but just under that, I noticed that uh, it says uh, uh, Tom Selleck. Ooh, this might be why he's bitter and pissed. Uh, there was a writer's strike that delayed the shooting of Magnum P.I., so uh, he actually had time to be in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He had oh. he had nine whole months. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's got a bite, man. Considering <laughs> what it's gone on to be, well, he's he's had his he's held his own. Yeah, so he's like... had quite a bit of success. You know, so it's yeah. it's great. And uh, are you watching Blue Bloods at all? Blue Blo- No, I've been wanting. It's on my list to watch. Yeah, it's but a, it's not... in my queue, and I never get around to watching it. Uh, we will be revisiting uh, Tom Selleck later in the series. Uh, I think a couple months from now, I think I have Vegas with Robert Urich and then Las Vegas, which uh, he was in the last season of. Okay. Just to give people a teaser, what's coming up? All right, so our next show is going to be Simon and Simon. We're going to pause for a second here. great one Simon and Simon that's a rocking tune it starts with a slide guitar and then it just like kicks into like a, 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 a like a Huey Lewis like the way it was like a bar band kind of thing you know bringing yes. a saxophone only in the 80s did you see the saxophone just like everywhere epic sax guy saxophone got much respect um, only in uh, like Chicago stuff do you see it now it's like oh they're going to Chicago you know and they play like the saxophone for a second or whatever just make sure you understand it's Chicago <laughs> I don't know. Tim Kohler played on the streets of Huntington. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I, what, what, recently? Oh, uh, this, remember the movie we, uh, the, the commercial we did. And, oh my uh, God. I forgot play. about that. We shot that yeah. in the alley. Yeah. Wow. I wish we still, oh man, I wish we had that on video still. I don't even know. Why did we do that? It was for my radio class. Oh, I, I okay. I had a class and used to be our camera guy. That's right. I forgot about that. Thanks. <laughs> Um, and when I get a guitar, this is probably going to be one of the first things I learn is that, that slide guitar. I want to do that in the theme from Houston Nights. They're so bluesy and fun. Yeah. This is another show where the original theme song was changed. The first season, um, the ratings stunk. They were not doing very well. It was on the verge of cancellation. And uh, the guys who created it 
said, hey, um, let's retool the show. Let's make it a little more action-packed. Let's uh, change the opening and the music, whatever, make more rockin'. And they moved it over with Magna P.I. Magna P.I. and Simon Simon were almost simultaneous their entire run. It, uh, they just go hand-in-hand. Hand. And plus the fact that they are in the same universe. All right, so the good thing about them is they were both... Okay, both of them were a little... Okay, maybe not Simon and Simon as much, but Magnum P.I. had all the women and everything in it, so I'm surprised that my mom actually let me watch it. <laughs> which, which one, Magnum P.I.? Magnum, yeah. <clears throat> well, Simon and Simon, they dated around a lot, too. You know, I always thought it was strange that Gerald McCraney is the one who got most of the women, because you kind of look yeah. at him and you're thinking, you look like an old dude. I know you're not that old, but I, I mean, I'm a bald man, so don't don't freak out, people. I'm not like bashing on bald people, but he was balding fairly early, plus he was kind of unkempt. But it was the early 80s, and people seem to be into that kind of stuff. Look at some of the old photos of your parents and stuff like that, and you're like, oh, comb-overs, <laughs> huge beards, uh, mutton chops, ah! But Harry, Harry and the Henderson. Well, anyway, uh, unless you live in Oregon where it has never changed. Every, it, it is actually legally required. The minute you move into Oregon, you have 60 days to get your license changed and to grow a beard. <laughs> It's true. You have to, and no matter how much it itches, like I'm an Oregonian. Ah! I think it's a lot like that in Minnesota. <laughs> Only you have to pick up that that Canadian accent. A little yeah. Bit. Well, you have to grow a beard because it's so cold that your face will crack. <laughs> all right, Simon and Simon. Let's this one, safety. This one is big on family, which is why I think my parents let me watch it, is because they had really good values. Um, it was like a beach version of. Dukes of Hazard. when it comes yes. to uh, family. You know, like, uh, it wasn't as heavy on the morals because, you know, they didn't have a... Um, I feel like uh, Dukes of Hazard. What's that? They didn't have a boss hog. Yeah, they didn't have a boss hog. It was more of a villain of the week. I will yeah. say um, Simon and Simon, it peaked very early, which is the bummer part. Um, for me, I think seasons two and three are the best, and after that it gets kind of routine. Whereas Magnum... Every single season just kept building and building and building. I, I just uh, I know that ratings started to dip, but did you know that the very last episode of Magnum is like in the top five most watched uh, TV shows ever? Like that mm -hmm. episode is up there almost with Mash and uh, uh, Seinfeld. It's crazy. Oh, sorry, I did know that. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, which is kind of a bummer. I think. Uh, if I remember correctly, Mag uh, Simon and Simon kind of petered out. I think they stuck around a little bit longer than Magnum, and then when Magnum was gone, that uh, nobody really cared anymore. I think they were only watching Simon and Simon because it's just like routine. You know how you just kind of get used to watching one show after another? You're just like, well, it's on. I've been watching this for the last six seasons. Why not continue? And right. uh, I, in fact, don't think they even um, ended the series. There was two or three episodes not aired, and then they just aired them in syndication. I could be wrong about that one. That's that's always a bummer. Well, they can't yeah, wrap things up, at least. Yeah, I hate especially when there's so many years worth. You're like, seriously, you're gonna insult the fans yeah. after this long? There was uh, Drew Carey it was on for like nine years, and the last season where he gets married was not even aired until the middle of the summer, and then they aired like four episodes right in a row, four episodes right in a row, and then they just dumped it. And it's like, wait, we spent all this time with Drew Carey. Why did you do that? Insult. I don't care about this. Yeah. <laughs> Only care about the money. That's right. Uh, I don't it's know all about Benjamin. <clears throat> My voice cracked there. I almost sound like I went to a Latino accent. I didn't mean that. I meant to do like a big fat cat voice. But then it went. Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, dude. Uh, speaking of, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able. We have another. I have another podcast that Ron sometimes guests on called Back in Tunes, and the discussion came up um, recently about doing Fat Albert, and I just don't think we can ever do it. Or yeah. it's going to be years from now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Simon and Simon, uh, like earlier we said, is a spinoff, uh, or not spinoff, they were in the same world as Magna P.I. and Wiz Kids. Other than that, they didn't go really beyond that. Yeah. It was kind of itself. Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't get to see as many as you did, probably. Um, so I don't know exactly if it plateaued or where it plateaued, but. Yeah, I was. I just really enjoyed two and three, and uh, it also could be the fact that I waited years. Um, they were releasing seasons one through three really fast, almost on top of each other. Then all of a sudden they stopped because of low sales, and then like three years later, Shout Factory started releasing the entire series. So every episode is available. It's just. Um, I don't know. Maybe it comes back. Maybe it comes back up. I don't know. But I remember season four being kind of a letdown, and I got into season five, like the first couple episodes, and I was just like, nah, you know what? Uh, I'm done. I said it was nominated two times for primetime Emmys. Yeah. Did it win? Uh, I don't know. Where do you see that? I don't Oh, I'm on IMDb. Oh, okay. You have to click on that, because usually it tells me in uh, Wikipedia, but um, I don't see it. No, I see nominated, 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 no winning. Oh, okay. Um, That's a... Go ahead, sorry. Zero wins, six nominations. I guess that's good. I mean, it's not like you weren't totally left out of the, the party. But anyway. Yeah, for me, uh, I really enjoy the relationship between the brothers. I think I sided more with um, AJ, you know, because he, he was kind of like the guy who paid his bills. He was reliable. You know, yes, he was uptight. <laughs> but uh, Rick was always just kind of, uh, eh, c'est la vie, go with the flow kind of thing. And I was like, I don't understand that. How do you function with a business like this? <laughs> And, of course, many times they struggled. I, originally, I wasn't going to include Simon and Simon because um, I wanted to do an episode where it was more like blue-collar kind of detectives, you know, with rock files and stuff like that. But it's just an obvious. Simon and Simon and Magnum P.I. go right together. Magnum lived in luxury, even though he himself wasn't rich. And I was like, oh, yeah, let's, uh, let's go with another rich guy. So um, I will get to that in a sec, but let's finish up Simon and Simon. Um... Now, the cool part about Simon and Simon is since they didn't get a finale, like a real finale, and the last two episodes were only aired in syndication, they did do a reunion movie, which I thought was pretty solid, and uh, it's called In Trouble Again, but it's very hard to find. It's usually um, like on one of those sleuth channels, or I found it bootleg. <laughs> <coughs> uh, the one thing, I always wonder what happened to Jameson Parker. Gerald McCraney, of course, you still see all the time. He was on Major Dad for years, which is... Um, it's, it's family fun. It's still silly fun. Uh, it's, it's, Love it. You, know, you can watch it with the kids. Um, he was in Jericho, which uh, I absolutely adore. I, have you seen that show? Yes, and I really hate that it ended. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a consolation prize. Basically, it's, it's, it's not good enough in my opinion, but at least uh, the writers continued um, in the comics. The season three and season four are told in comic book form, so at least it continues that way. But, man, that show is... I will have to pick that up. Uh, Jameson Parker disappeared though. Um, for the most part, he did a he did um, oh what's the movie Prince of Darkness? John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. It didn't do very well, and he would just do some TV, you know, some small movies here and there. But um, it doesn't really tell the story here. I read his book. It's called Accidental Cowboy, and it, it basically tells about his life after he left Hollywood. Now there's a reason why he left Hollywood. Uh, first off, he was getting kind of bored with the same kind of roles. He wasn't getting what he wanted. 
he was doing right. books on he was doing audiobook narration and stuff like that but he saw the roles were dwindling for quality which makes no sense because he's a good actor um but uh, it only says it in brief part here on wikipedia so i just remember this from the book um he was he had just come home and his wife was upset she was crying and he was like what is going on and he goes the guy down the street was saying all this horrible lewd sexual stuff to me so he turned around and he went down to the neighbor's house to confront him he knocked on the door and he said how dare you uh or well he goes my wife lives at this house whatever that you know uh, you insulted her greatly why would you do this what is wrong with you and he opened fire on him and shot uh, Jameson Parker, I think, four or five times. Wow. Yeah, I mean, and he, uh, and the guy was, while the guy was loading, or reloading his gun, Jameson, had, with all the power he had left in him, he ran home, uh, bleeding everywhere, just, uh, and he made it to his, uh, his porch, and the guy was coming down the street to finish him off, and that's when the cops showed up, and his wife uh, just did what she could to keep the bleeding at bay or whatever until he got to the hospital. Wow. Yeah, so he he just said L.A. is crazy, so he bought a ranch, and I think he lives in, like, Montana or Oklahoma, and he just lives on his ranch in peace, away from the whole thing. Every once in a blue moon, he'll show up and do, like, an episode of something, like uh, he did uh, an episode of JAG and I think NCIS, but for the most part, he's done. And uh, Helps make some extra money when he needs it. Yeah, and he lives in peace, and uh, I just yeah. it's stunning that he survived that, because it says here the guy was uh, attempted, uh, convicted of attempted murder, but only nine years. Someone opens fire on you. I hope they spend the rest of their life in prison. Yeah. Just terrible. I don't know if it killed him. I wonder if that would have been the same way. Yeah. It. Uh, but thankfully, he's still alive and he's enjoying a peaceful life. Sorry to end on a weird end. Uh, I don't want to wrap this Simon and Simon thing up on that sad ending, but it's also the most poignant. Um, right. There is a movie I thought was interesting uh, that he did with Gerald McCraney. He produced it while doing Simon and Simon. Uh, did it on a very low budget. And uh, it's actually highly entertaining, but very, very hard to find. And I can't seem to see it on... Uh, oh, they changed the title on IMDb. Uh, it's only on VHS. I think some places might have it streaming, but try to find American Justice, uh, a.k.a. Jackals. Jackals is a stupid name. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah, it used to air on HBO and Showtime, or one of those two, all the time. Uh, that's how I caught it. And he's not the star. There's another guy that was a friend of his that was a good character actor that's a star. But it's basically about like um, on the border of Mexico where there's corrupt cops and they uh, they stumble upon this whole thing about sm uh, smuggling illegal aliens and I think there's some drugs involved. But Gerald McCraney is the villain and it's a really great movie. I'll have to check it out now. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those movies that got lost in the shuffle. There's still people can, uh, say arrogant things like, "Oh, all the great movies are already out on DVD or Blu-ray. Well, all that stuff left on VHS is crap." Well, that's just your opinion. One person who uh, may love and cherish this movie, uh, they deserve to see it, you know, somehow survive. And I fear that some of these movies that are only on VHS are going to get just, they're going to get lost in time. It's a bummer. What was it like, was it, I think it was Monty Python, where a lot of their old stuff got erased together, got taped over for other things, and a lot of that was lost because they didn't, you know, they just didn't care. Yeah, it was actually Doctor Who. Um, Doctor Who, my bad. Yeah, that was it. Tons of the, well, it's kind of a connected story. It's how I discovered this. I think we were talking about this a couple years ago. Um, so BBC, they recycled their tapes, which is dumb. Just go buy more tapes. They weren't that rare. I mean, um, but they started erasing a lot of the Doctor Who episodes and reusing them. Well, the guys at BBC uh, had heard about this, that they were doing this. They tried to salvage as many tapes as they could, 
And then they had called the Monty Python guys and told them, hey, um, they're about to erase your tapes and reuse them for another show. Do you want to come down and get them? So for a while, the Monty Python guys are the only ones that had the original copies of their show. Uh, I think at the time it was airing in America, so there were some U.S. copies. But at the same time, you've got to protect you know, your, your work. And uh, the same thing goes into these movies that are lost. I think uh, the reason American Justice isn't out on DVD is because Lionsgate owns it. Uh, they bought a whole bunch of these small little companies like Vestron. That's why you didn't see Monster Squad on DVD for years. Um, they own Vestron, they own Artisan, Lightning, and uh, Live. A couple others, whatever. They just bought a whole bunch of these small labels. But they don't really have any interest in putting them out. So I don't see the point. Why did you buy them if you're not going to make them available? At least put them streaming. Mm-hmm. All right, so I think that's it for us with Sam. What's that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I wonder what Lionsgate is even thinking because they have a lot of bombs, like huge bombs, and they need something to hold them up. Well, that's your video catalog. Some companies stay alive for a long time just on that. Um, is there anything else you want to say about Simon Simon? No, I don't have a whole lot on the cars. Uh, except, well, Rick's truck was pretty interesting, I guess, but uh, it's what you would call the macho power wagon. Everyone's heard of a Dodge power wagon. Yeah. Big, beastly vehicle that I don't have much on it other than it was a macho uh, option, which just means is uh, I can't find any details on it. To be honest, I've got a couple of opinions, but no actual hard specs. All I can say is it's the epitome of a cowboy truck. Yeah, I remember, I think I think I had a Hot Wheel of it. I seem to remember, you know, this yeah. is back in the day when Hot Wheels, they did a lot of licensing from these vehicles. Of course, I had like 30 uh, General Lees. Um, I had a Knight Rider. Um, I had, I'm pretty sure I had the helicopter from Magnum P.I. And I did I, have that. I'm pretty sure I had the truck from Simon and Simon. Um, what did his brother drive, though? I always thought it was something, it was, it was like, they're the exact opposite. So, of course, he had to have like a smaller, faster car, I think. Right. Well, I do have those. It was a 57 Shelby Bel Air is what he drove for the most of season one. And then he, I guess they started doing better because he upgraded to a 85 Camaro Z28. It uh, had T-tops. It's red with the silver uh, um, <laughs> crap. Anyway, the molding at the bottom of the car. It's The name's actually uh, skipping my mind right now. Anyway, um, but then he later had a 1968 Camaro Rally Sport convertible. Huh. You know, it's weird is that they had these nice vehicles. Well, of course, Rick kept truck, I think, the entire series. But yeah. um, they, were always that. iconic. they were always talking about being broke, at least for the first few seasons. They were perpetually broke. So you would think they'd be riding around in like a Gremlin you know, or a Festiva or something like that. <laughs> or at best, maybe uh, El Camino. But they had uh, pretty decent vehicles. But, you know, AJ was pretty slick. He was pretty fly. You needed a, you needed a tank car. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right, so our next uh, show is going to be Matt Houston, and here we go with the theme song. Okay, that is hideous crap. I should have checked first. Hold on, let me try another. <laughs> that was warped. <laughs> here we go.
Okay, that's a really crazy log. Let's stop there. <laughs> Dude, that thing's like, oh, it sounds like it goes on forever. Um, here's the weird thing is the theme song to Matt Houston is very similar to the first season of Magna P.I. It's like one of those uh, Dynasty Dallas. Uh, it's one of those things like Aaron Spelling. You know, this is one of his shows. He specialized in these big, elaborate openings. They weren't really awesome. They're just kind of, uh, aww, feel the song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt Houston. Uh, for years, this is kind of considered to be a Magna P.I. clone, which it is not in any way. That is such a uh, boneheaded statement because they just, okay, so he looks like, he's like the rich version. If somehow um, Magna P.I. inherited uh, Robin Master's money, he would be Matt Houston. But that's it. I mean, they just kind of look like, that's it, that's it. It's just, there's nothing like. They're detectives and they have mustaches. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so I, I bring this up just because it's, you know, he had he had so much money. He had money like he pooped money. Let's just say this. Matt Houston had an insane amount of money. And uh, so he had tons of really great cars. Other than that, I have to say, it's uh, it's one of those shows where you really don't have to continuously watch it. It's kind of generic. Yeah. Uh... I didn't know what to make. I liked it. Don't get me wrong there. It's it's right up there with all the other shows around. I can't believe it lasted as long as it did, to be honest. But, <laughs> but definitely good fun. Yeah, it's it's fluff. It's uh, Well, Aaron Spelling's shows were, they were bright. They're very bright. I don't know if he just opened the aperture or what they did. You ever notice his shows are very um, uh, welcoming. It's uh, lots of colors, lots of flash. Uh, right. Whereas Simon and Simon in Magnum P.I. had kind of a character in the way that they were filmed. Uh, all of his shows kind of looked the same. I mean, even Magnum P.I., which is like this gritty cop show. Well, at the time it seemed gritty. It seems kind of silly now. Um, but they all kind of looked the same, same style of editing. Uh, I think it was just to please everybody. This is probably like one of those PG glam shows that the whole family could watch. Where I think you had to be a little more sophisticated to watch the other two. I feel like I'm insulting Matt Houston fans. I don't. Uh, how do I say this? I'll sound like a jerk. <laughs> um, but it was just kind of fluffy. The uh, show was one of those where it was procedural. Like the episodes rarely ever flowed into the next. You know, it didn't develop any of the characters at all. Right. No. Yeah. It's definitely a week by week thing. All right. So Matt Houston was one of those oil guys from Texas who made a ton of money. And uh, he gets bored, so he flies to Los Angeles. He just flies to Los Angeles like on a regular basis. And there he decides, I'm going to solve mysteries just for my own fun. <laughs> and it's usually for the rich and famous, um, which is also hard to connect with. You're like, oh, God, you have a lot of money. I'm not, I'm not sure I feel a whole lot of sympathy for you. But it's usually like um, murder mysteries, stuff like that. You know, no, uh, no, uh, can you find my daughter? She's been kidnapped by a uh, uh, human trafficker. You know, nothing like that. Where... Magna P.I. got kind of close to that kind of dark stuff. Right, right. Um, I can't remember. It took me forever to, to place where I'd seen this guy before. Oh, yeah, Lee Horsley. I, I finally pinpointed pointed it earlier today. You ever watch a show called Nero Wolf or listen oh, to the yeah, old radio yeah, yeah. show? Well, I saw the one with Timothy Hutton, but I know which one you're talking about. The guy from Jake and the Fat Man, right? Yeah. Like, um, it's, it's awesome how things change along here. One of my favorite shows when I was driving a truck, I, I found that listening to music just put me to sleep, and that's a really bad idea with driving a semi. Yeah, it's a bad idea. So I started listening to an old-time radio, and Nero Wolf came on. And I believe it was like, oh, if I can remember who, who did it then. But um, 
honestly, I don't know if it's the same guy or not, but the guy is William Conrad. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cannon. Plays him in this, a.k.a. Matt Dillon from Gunsmoke. So, that you know, that was another one I really loved listening to. And, and But I remember this, that I'd actually seen this show uh, with Lee Hornsley in it uh, and William Conrad as well, and I really loved it. But I think it was pretty short-lived. Yeah, I think it was yeah, on once, for maybe a season, season and a half. Yeah. Anyway, that's my off. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's about Lee Horsley. Uh, mine was Sword and the Sorcerer. It was a, right. a very campy, outrageous. You watch it now and you're like, wow, that's insane. Why does he have a, a sword that shoots blades? <laughs> Did they have CO2 cartridges awesome. back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I had seen, seen Sword and the Sorcerer. So uh, I think I saw it like on HBO when I was a kid or something. I shouldn't have been watching it because that's an R-rated movie. But uh, I had what? seen that and... Um, that's the first time I saw him, and then I saw, uh, he was in a western called Guns of Paradise, aka Paradise, uh -huh. which I caught here and there, but I was more of a Young Riders kind of guy. Um, I did not know what Matt Houston was until about six or seven years ago. Uh, somebody, I had a bad habit of collecting shows that were not on DVD, by odd means. <laughs> Collector's <laughs> means. We won't uh, go in further detail. Yeah, so the only thing I ever remember, there was, okay, so there's a magazine when we were kids. I don't know if you'll remember this, but you remember when Scholastic would come around like a couple times a year and they have like a little book fair, you know, they had like uh, they had like a room they put a bunch of stuff in and I saw a magazine called Bananas and I was like, that looks like Mad Magazine. I love Mad Magazine. So I picked up Bananas and it's kind of like the same way or whatever. And they had a joke about whenever Magnum P.I. would walk out a door, Matt Houston would walk back in because he's the same guy. And I was like, what the hell is Matt Houston? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. That's my only connection until I found the DVDs years later. Um, right. I, did, I watched the entire series. I burned through it pretty fast because uh, some of the episodes are like, oh, my God, get through this. But I do enjoy season three. They tried to save the show by adding Buddy Epson, who I think plays his uncle. Who oh. is, yeah, and he was great. He's basically Barnaby Jones. He's uh, really right. good at uh, solving mysteries. He's a talker, whereas Matt would do more of the action-oriented stuff. They had a great chemistry, and I kind of wish – the show had continued in that vein. If it was going to go to a season four, uh, if it had been like an oddball buddy, buddy comedy kind of thing. <laughs> Man, I wish I'd watched that season. Yeah, it's uh, only the first season's out. Uh, second and third season. Good luck with that one. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> All right, so what are some of the vehicles that Matt rode? Um, rode? Some of the vehicles, unfortunately, I only focused on one. <laughs> well, he had but so I many, think it was ridiculous. It definitely sticks out compared to most of the other ones. Um, this was a ninth. Okay, get this. It, it looks like a 1920s, early 30s Mercedes. Oh, bed. that one. Yeah, it's a beautiful vehicle. Yeah. SSK Roadster. This thing looks like it's out of the 20s, right? Right, right. Wrong. It was made in 1982. What? <laughs> yes. Now, this has got to be one of the best names for a car ever. The Excalibur. Oh. 1982 Excalibur Phaeton. That is awesome. Uh, it was Model 4 that they that he drove. Neoclassic in design, um, and it went for like 20 years, I think, they made these cars or something like that. Now, now there's a company out there that's still trying to keep them alive by making parts for it. Uh -huh. uh, if you want more information on that, it's uh, ExcaliburClassics.com. Now, this lady bought rights or whatever. I'm not sure how well she did exactly, but... Um, and the car was going. The company was going under. The company that had bought it for like the second or third time was totally forgetting about the uh, the neoclassic. What made it popular? The Excalibur. Uh, that 
the Phaeton, what it made it, that company, what it was, uh, what it started off with. So she's she's seeing this happening and everything, and as they were ready to just chuck it, she took up the banner, I guess, and is trying to preserve it. And I'm, I think that's awesome. So to this day, she's doing that. So it's still not dead, which is awesome. And she's actually in the works of trying to think about making new ones. Oh, so, good, yeah. Uh, then when I get rich, I'll buy one. Ha-ha. Yeah, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> and when I get rich, I'll solve mysteries. Because <laughs> I'm bored. Cool what? thing about this car. Yeah, definitely. That was the one reason why it went under. Because they kept, they kept coming up with new models. And it was going to get more and more expensive to, to make them. Now, what I liked about this car, that what stuck out to me, is the tie to Indiana. Oh, what's that? Yeah. This, um, there was a designer... Back in the, what was it, 30s? Something like that. He started designing. His name's Brooks Stevens. He was from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he started working for, at some point, uh, Studebaker. Um, he's designed many things from the Steamomatic, which was a steam iron from the 30s. He was designing tractors for Alice Chalmers. He designed the Miller High Life logo, you know, the little funky looking. Anyway, yeah. clothes dryer, a motorcycle of Harley Davidson, a runabout boat made in '56. But I think the most iconic thing he designed was, for drum roll, please. And I think he'll be most known for this: the Wiener Mobile. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't love that? It's so awesome. '58. Yes, and who doesn't love that car? I'll tell you what. Who doesn't love a big wiener? That's right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Different show. <clears throat> anyway, um, well, he went on to work for various different automakers and eventually Studebaker. And it was for that last company that he, he designed the Excalibur. He designed it for them to kind of give them some, something different to help try and save the name. But it was a little bit too little too late. And when the company started to go under, he and his sons took over the car. And that was in like 1964. And they started producing them themselves. Mm-hmm. When it first came out, it was powered by a 290 horsepower Studebaker V8. It's the same engine that's found in the iconic Avante. Who didn't want? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird. Uh, screw it. I'm done. <laughs> Avante. Okay, somebody from the 70s might, you know, floating a little high back in the 60s, maybe one of the Avante. But anyway, <clears throat> moving on. All right. So um, the last thing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. It ended up moving on because Studebaker went under. They stopped production on an engine, and they ended up putting a 300-horsepower Chevy V8 in there, and that was what they were putting in the Corvettes at the time. The car could do – it's an old classic roadster-looking vehicle with no top that could do 0 to 60 in under 6 seconds. That's a little scary. Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> but the thing is, it's a modern car, so it doesn't. it may look old, but it's not. Anyway, sorry. Really love that car. No, no, that's fine. It's cool. I, I like it. Wait. wait. What? Can I hear myself? Can you hear yourself? I can hear myself. This hear is weird. <laughs> like I said, if you guys are interested in checking out more about this car, check out ExcaliburClassics.com. It's definitely worth it if you're into anything unique. So. All right. So my last words on this. Uh, I want to say Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Gordon created Matt Houston. He only ever created one other TV show. Uh, he produced like a thousand movies: The Warriors, um, Streets of Fire. Really? Yeah, Streets of Fire, Brewster's Million. Him and Joel Silver, Walter Hill. They worked closely together for a while. Uh, Hooper, of course, we know that movie, the stunt mm-hmm. movie, uh, Burt Reynolds. The Driver, Rolling Thunder, Hard Times. Um, 
the Predator, Die Hard, Leviathan, K9, just tons of action movies. The Rocketeer. <laughs> um, but he only ever created one other TV show, and I thought it was kind of funny. It's a TV show called The Renegades with Patrick Swayze. It's one of the very first things that he ever did. Yes. And have you seen it? I think I have, yes. It's like someone took the Mod Squad meets the Warriors meets the Outsiders, and it only lasted like six or seven episodes, but every single episode is highly entertaining, uh, mostly because of the camp value and nostalgia. But um, luckily his second series, it's just weird that he only created two TV series and didn't just focus solely on producing. I mean, it was just easier. you got to give me on uh, the Renegades was a television series? Yeah, it's basically like if you took the Warriors and uh, made them like 21 Jump Street, where they're kind of undercover. That's not what I was thinking. Well, oh, like 21 Jump Street. Are you thinking Renegades with Kiefer Sutherland? What? Are you thinking Kiefer Sutherland, um, uh, crap, Lou Diamond Phillips movie? No, that was, yeah, no, that's not what I was thinking of. No, oh, I've okay. actually seen TV show, because I remember Patrick Swayze being in it, but um, though I don't remember seeing a lot of it. I don't think I watched it regularly, because it's just vaguely on the back of my brain there, but yeah. anyway. Moving on. Uh, for the most part, Lawrence Gordon is retired, but he is, I think he's trying to go out with a bang. He's trying to get Hellboy 3 made before he retires. Like, completely retires. Uh in 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. to another episode of Full Throttle TV. This is the first episode of our second season. If you missed our little breaks in the middle, we had a Back to the Future special and a Smokey and the Bandit special. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-creator and co-host, Ron. Raul! (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) flashback. Ron! Yeah, that's me. Yes, the very first week that I met him, I actually thought his name was Raul Millington. (laughs) Millingham, Millingham. I was way off. You're giving me an identity crisis. I did. I did it on purpose, actually. I planned this for years to come, and then the day came, and I was just like, I'm going to destroy everything you know! <laughs> <laughs> and right. it's slow and work. It only took 30 years, 25 yeah. years. <laughs> I'm very patient. I'm a very patient evil man. Uh, this week, go. we will be discussing the A-Team Stingray, and we did discuss Highwayman back in the, I believe, the second episode of Season 1, but we actually finally got to see... Some episodes, it's very hard to track down. Uh, hush, hush, wink, wink, we didn't find it in the right way. 
Um, <laughs> but if they're not going to release it on DVD, that's uh, that's our problem. Uh, mm. So the first show we're going to discuss, of course, is the A Team, and I think this was one of those shows that everybody knows. If you haven't seen like the whole season, you've at least caught an episode. Or you have a general idea of what it is. That's what I was thinking myself. I'm like, you got iconic vehicle cars. I, I was gonna. I had this written in my head. So practically anybody from our era or that era would know this show. If they saw a black van with a red stripe, what's the first thing you would think of? Yeah. Exactly. So very iconic. Yeah, and it's funny is that usually we uh, we talk about like awesome motorcycles and uh, cars. The van isn't exactly known for being, <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's all about speed. I mean, the show is called Full Throttle, and why are we talking about vans? But it's not so much about fast vehicles, it's about iconic vehicles. Because the next episode we're doing obviously isn't going to be very fast because we're going to be talking about the Addams Family and the Monsters. So catch that next month for our Halloween special. And um, the one thing I liked about the A-Team was that it was one of those shows, and this is kind of the trend back then, is you could just watch one episode and be fine, miss five, come back and then watch another episode and you wouldn't miss anything. You're just like, oh, all right, same thing's the same. You know, I don't have to go back and try to catch all the episodes. Except towards the end, they started getting into the trial and what have you. You, you tend to, I mean, you could still watch it in a episode-by-episode basis, but yeah, you kind of want it what happened. It's not like it is now where it's um, required television where you have to watch every single episode in order to get it. Yeah, true, they still have the previously on. But yeah, um, it, it was very rare. I, at most, uh, A-Team would have, like, To Be Continued. Or they would have, like, a, a small arc, like, of three or four episodes. You wouldn't have to go from the first episode to the last episode to understand everything that was going on. Right. And they also didn't have, like, the, the Freak of the Week kind of... You know how they do with some sci-fi shows where they have a, an arc, but then all of a sudden they just dead stop, and you're like, these are just filler episodes to get to the end of the season. This is... Why am I even wasting my time? Why make 22 episodes if you only have 18 episodes worth of story? Yeah. So uh, the A-Team, of course, if most people don't know, um, is basically these four guys who were set up for a crime. Uh, they didn't commit. They go on the run, and they go around the country basically helping the needy, people who are desperate, who are uh, basically being uh, bullied. And uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. But, you know, it's where, like, corrupt towns, you know, it's like the walking tall kind of idea where it's all being run by terrible people and someone has to come in and change it. And that was the A-Team. Where they didn't have to live by the rules, yeah. per se. Here's the weird <laughs> thing is, if you were after them, you know, it's always a Ford and Decker after the A-Team. And uh, <laughs> I can't do that guy's voice right, but I always loved him. Well, I was really good, man. I was good. <laughs> but he always did the voice for Airwolf, the opening narration. You're just like, yeah, that guy has an awesome voice. Um, I don't I don't understand how it is that they never thought to do the same thing. I mean, every episode kind of had the same pattern. Like, uh, it'd be uh, George Papard in some sort of crazy costume and someone would find him performing at some show. And they're like, I need the help of the A-Team. Well, let me see if I can find them and I'll let them know. And uh, how is it the military wasn't like, hey, you guys noticed the last 80 episodes <laughs> that uh, everybody just seems to walk up to him and ask for help? And that's how they find him? Why don't we do the same thing? <laughs> Because our government's stupid. Anyway, yeah. we're moving. <laughs> that, that, or they'd be like, you know what? You look like you're a military person. I can't exactly help. Because um, it wasn't just uh, Hannibal that would do it. Face would do the costumes too. That must have been fun for both of them to do that kind of, uh, you know, oh, yeah. character role stuff. Definitely. What was the name of the guy that was um, Face in the movie? Yeah, the pilot. 
Oh, you know what? Uh, I think it was Tim Dunnigan. He was in the Captain Power TV show. Which, if you look okay. at the Captain Power TV show, either the director had no idea how to use him, or he was a terrible actor. So maybe it was a good idea to get rid of him. I don't know. I, I kind of liked him. He did a... I mean, honestly, I like... I uh, wasn't Benedict better, but um, I think he had a... He had what it took, but I don't know. I, I just didn't know what happened there, why they got rid of him, or... Oh, it's, uh... Well, A, it was because he was too young. They were supposed to be in Vietnam. And he, oh. while he was of the right age, he had a very youthful look. He didn't... Right. He, he wasn't believable as someone who had been in the military, you know, 12 years earlier. Whereas Dirk Benedict kind of had, like, a rugged handsomeness to him that would help him... You know, that, that would be believable. Also, the fact that this is rumor... Um, George Papard was jealous because he was so tall. He, it, it was uh, one of those ego things. I heard George Papard was real egotistical the whole time he was in the show. That sounds about right. You know, the, uh, George Papard's the only one that actually was a movie star. You know, for about 10, 15 years there, he was the lead in theatrical releases, and all of a sudden it just dries up. He has to go to television. That's not anything new. Lots of great actors, you know, do television. But for some reason, he was overly sensitive about it. He had trouble sharing the screen with, uh, you know, Mr. T wasn't even an actor, so he considered him out of his league. You know, he's always having to share the the part of the handsome lead with Dirk Benedict. And I, I heard he was absolutely god-awful to any women that showed up on the set. Yeah. Which is kind of a that's, bummer, that's, man. Those are the kind of things you don't want to read. You do. <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> kind know. of put the damper on things. You know who was considered before George Papard? I don't think I do, no. James Coburn. Really? Yeah, James Coburn was originally considered the lead, and uh, this is at a point where his career was kind of suffering, too. And I actually really like him, so I'm curious to see what it would have been like, but alas, it did not happen. You're typing around to see if I'm telling the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I'm thinking, yeah, I was thinking of the wrong face. Okay. Yeah, he would have been perfect. <clears throat> oh, man. Anyway. And coincidentally, coincidentally, James Coburn was in Magnificent Seven, and then if you go to the last season, Robert Vaughn, also in Magnificent Seven, was basically like the co-lead with George Papard. Okay. Now, now I've seen, I've only seen a handful of movies that he's been in, which is my own fault. I know there's, anyway, not that I didn't want to, uh, but I do know he's been in a handful of westerns that I've seen. Is that was that his staple or? Uh, which one, um, James Coburn? No, no, no. Um, oh, Robert Vaughn? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Name's skipping my head. Slappy McGee. Scooter McVill. Uh, sandwich in Hamilton, McVill. <laughs> Who are you thinking of? George Papard. Why did his name just skip my head? Holy crap. That is crap. ridiculous. I just said George Papard like 12 times. This is I know. It is, it, I know. I'm the one who just woke up. <laughs> I haven't had my cucumbers yet. Anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> now, George Papard is mostly known for um, Breakfast at Tiffany's, and then he did just a bunch of like right. war movies, and then when war movies were no longer popular, he would do cop movies. I believe uh, right before he did A-Team, he was in Damnation Alley with uh, Jan Michael Vincent, which is um, an interesting sci-fi movie with incredibly bad effects. Hmm, Jan Michael Vincent. That's Michael an interesting... Airwolf, yeah, I don't know. Those two, uh, one's a, a notorious drunk with anger issues, and George Papard, uh, oh, egotistical, rude man, so it must not have gone well. <laughs> oh, that would have been a recipe for disaster. Anyway. Now, did you watch the movie? I'm assuming you did. Yeah, I think I actually went to the theater to see that. So did I. 
Uh, what did you think of it? Um, I liked it to be honest. If it was, you know, if it could stand on its own, but coming from the original, there were certain things I didn't like about it. I couldn't put a finger on them right now, but um, I won't go all out and say I don't. I hate it or anything, but. I'd watch it again. How yeah. about that? There are two <laughs> things that I had, uh, I had problems with. Uh, the fact that Liam Neeson was forced to say uh, he, uh, the plan thing. It's almost as if he had an OCD thing with it. Right. Because it's like every five minutes, he's like, I love when a plan comes together. The plan. you got to put a, get a plan together. The idea behind this is the plan. You're like, oh, my God. Does he have issues? Should he be in a mental institution? <laughs> <laughs> he's OCD, definitely. All right. And, uh, and the end is... Um, it works well. The action sequences are really tight until the very end, and it's just like CGI overboard. You know, it's just like one of these things where it's just drowning in its own special effects. And I was just like, man, it could have gone so much better if they had just let it go. Yeah. You know, just tried to cut the... And that's another thing. If they had cut the budget, if the, the ending hadn't been so big, there might have been a sequel. That thing cost a fortune. It was like $110 million, and I believe it only brought in about 80 in America. They talked about the fact that it did so well in video that they were going to do a sequel, but obviously that hasn't happened. I think they should do, if they're going to bring it back, bring it back as a TV show. No stars, just good actors, you know, like, you know, like character actors. Just bring in some guys who aren't A-listers, big-budget kind of guys. Well, I'd, just, I'd be interested to see what they could do in modern time. After, after five seasons, I wonder what they could do now to make it different. Yeah, I mean, you can't bring back the original cast because they're starting to look pretty rough. Um, right. But if you found, well, you know, what if they formed a new team, a team of youngsters to take over? What if they were still the guys in the office? You know, maybe, yeah, I bet you Mr. T could still drive the van and put stuff together. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, but for the most part, the action has changed too. You can't just go in mowing people down with machine guns, even though I don't think they ever actually killed anybody, did they? Did you ever see nope. anybody die? Nobody ever died, which, you know, <laughs> really, they must have been awesome shots. No kidding. Um,. So you could have them basically running a new team, uh, but the action has changed. You can't just simply punch people and just open fire. So you get guys that were like snipers or, um, you know, more precise. And, you know, kung fu experts, you throw some parkour in there, maybe some bow and arrows, because everybody loves bow and arrows now. You know, it's not, it would, the action would have to change, but you could still have the core team, the original team, be in charge. You could do some freestyle walking. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm sorry. let's talk about the cast real quick. Uh, Dirk Benedict... We talked about George Papard already, but Dirk Benedict had just come off of Battlestar Galactica, um, a cult hit, but at the time, it was so expensive, they couldn't afford to keep it on the air. But um, he was fantastic in that show, and it's great that he actually got a second opportunity to be a star, because you never know. Sometimes these guys show up in these 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 uh, cult favorites, and you never hear from them again. Yeah, that would have been unfortunate. Yeah, and uh, I think he's the most likable of the cast. Um, you know, I think he's the one that women would tune in for, and, uh, you know, from a comedic sense, uh, he played well off of everybody. I was going to say, I like Murdoch, but yeah, the women, yeah. Now, I'll say <laughs> this about Murdoch. Dwight Schultz is the true actor of the bunch. Um, yes. You know, George is the lead, Dirk Benedict is the good looks, Mr. T is the brawn, and he was a celebrity by that time anyway because of Rocky Three. Dwight Schultz is the one who was a nobody, who had to come in. And basically work his butt off in order to shine uh, when compared to the other three. And he did an amazing job. And in fact, he it's a shame that he is one of those actors that a lot of people don't know his name. They recognize his face. And when he shows up on stuff, they're like, oh yeah, I like that guy. But, He's uh, Murdoch. 
he was he was like um like a really well trained actor who just did exactly what he needed to do and in order to um make Murdoch just not not look just like a lunatic who threw out uh you know funny lines here and there um it takes a good actor to uh put in some empathy and some true humanity into a character like that right right do you remember when he was on Star Trek the Next Generation I was just gonna mention that yeah it's when I saw him on there I'm like yeah, it's, a, it's, it's my fun. favorite episode. You're so used to seeing him with that hat on, you know, and acting crazy. It took me a couple episodes going, man, I know he is familiar, but where do I know him from? Mind you, I was 10 at the time. I didn't have IMDb to look things up. Right, right. He's also done the uh, a voice. Well, he does a bunch of voiceover works, I'm, I'm guessing. But uh, one in particular that strikes my interest is Arkham Knight. Oh, yeah, the new one. The new movie? Is it out yet? Yes. Oh, um, wait. Arkham Knight's the game, isn't it? Like the video game, yeah. Oh, right, right, right. That's that's the latest video game. Uh, Does it say what character he plays? I'm not. Yeah, uh, I have it somewhere. Was it two voices? Laszlo Valentin, Professor Pig, or maybe they're one and the same. I don't know. Yeah, but... I have no idea who those are. <laughs> I was hoping Scarecrow or something. <laughs> I don't know. That would have been awesome. But uh, he, uh, not that he couldn't do it. He's an awesome character actor if you will with, with different voices and what have you so but, uh, I, yeah. yeah so um, on. the ratings for the show dropped dramatically it started off real strong uh you know in the top 10 for the first three seasons and i can't find any reason why season four plummeted so fast i can't seem to find the competition that it was up against um maybe people just got tired of the formula you know by season four it is basically the same setup and payoff every single week right but season five, I actually found quite interesting. It's not a full season. It's only um, 13 episodes. But they change it by the fact that they have finally captured. And then they give them the opportunity to work off their crime, which they never did commit in the first place. But they work it off like in the way um, Magnificent Seven, or not Magnificent Seven, Dirty Dozen. You know, they go into these crazy uh, uh, missions. And if they come out alive and complete everything, they, they're free men. They're uh, cleared. And I thought that was a really good idea. It just, for some reason, I think the budget was too low to really get the idea across. Did you say a minute ago that Robert Vaughn was up for Hannibal? No, Robert Vaughn, I was just mentioning uh, the, the connection between him and James Coburn. Oh, that's right. Okay. I thought that would have been an interesting tidbit, but okay, moving on. And, uh, of course, there was there were a couple women that were in the show, but um, I always feel like they didn't really know how to use them properly. Um, I think maybe it was just, uh, oh, just to get women to watch the show. But um, it right. would have been nice if they do the show now. You know, obviously we're at a point where we can just have a woman on the team kicking butt, and uh, instead right. of just being the pretty person that stands around like just uh, gives them a mission or is their connection to the person who needs help. And um, I would like to see that if they bring the show back, uh, add a woman to it as you know a kick butt like uh, martial artist or something. I don't understand why they couldn't have done that back then either. I mean, they had plenty of shows with. Strong female leads. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe it's because of the boys' club, or maybe the audience for a team was primarily young boys. We don't want to see girls. That's not true because we all watched Wonder Woman, mind you. I have to give you the fact that uh -huh. she had that costume. But uh, you know, we had Charlie's Angels. Maybe, maybe it was the fact that Stephen. Uh, here's the thing: if you look at a lot of the women who were kicking butt back then, most of them were part of the jiggle factor. Not all of them were like police woman, where she was a strong you know, confident lead who didn't have to show off her chest and wear tight costumes. Uh, Charlie's Angels and Wonder Woman, you know, a lot of it's the boobage factor, and uh, it kind of changed things. 
All right, so we've pretty much got to the end of what the show is all about, the cast, and what could go right with it. Now let's talk about our favorite part of the show. What was the van made out of? Metal. I know, but you and know, like, what were its guts? <laughs> what were the power behind it? <clears throat> I've got some interesting tidbits on the van. One, one particular thing is I hold before me right now one of my pride and joys because I collect Hot Wheels, and I have the A-Team van. And I'm looking at it thinking it's right, right? Yeah. It's all black. Where's the stripe? And I've noticed, like, no, 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 the stripe's there. Oh. The red wheels, the the fin and everything, but it's all black. When in reality, the van itself was actually a two-tone color. Like, a lot of the toys that were released were all black. Never understood that. Was it too expensive? Yeah, the van's actually two colors. I don't know. <laughs> they couldn't dip the top in. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, it was a dark grim, dark metallic gray. It looked really close to the black. But <clears throat> anyway, anywho, moving on. I got a question to ask you. <laughs> you go ahead. If you had to guess what platform the prior GM van was built on, what would you say? The frame, the platform, the chassis, everything underneath it. Nothing. I got nothing here. Like the Mustang was built off the Fairmont, you got nothing. The Corvair. What? That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. But not, not this van. The van prior to the van that this replaced, That's I'm leading into it. Anyway. Okay, okay. <clears throat> I just thought that was interesting to, to lead on. It was essentially that their Corvair vans were essentially the equivalent of VW of Microbus. Okay. It was that tiny little engine mounted just like the Corvair was. But anyway, moving on. <clears throat> The van itself was a 1983 G series uh, van. Uh, I'm gonna have to read something here verbatim because it's really easier to say it that way, and they get all the information in one little shot here. So I'm gonna read through it really fast. The van is an 83 G series customized by Universal Studios prop department. Uh, I can never find the guy who actually made it. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but uh, the guy who designed or whatever. But anyway, maybe it's conglomeration of them but uh the engine was a 350 cubic inch uh had some minor modifications done with the carburetor and the exhaust system the wheels are 15 inch painted black with red accents um of course i had to brush gar on the wing and the red stripe and i'm going to stop reading verbatim because there's a lot here so <laughs> but i'm going to move on down to this spot here where it says <clears throat> uh the scenes where they did the burnouts they were done by spraying bleach in front of it to help it. It helps it do it, and when you burn bleach, it just makes this big, massive cloud of smoke. Uh, it goes on to say that it, the van itself needed that help because it wasn't that powerful. Huh. That is a letdown. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> I'm know thinking it would be a practice. You'd think this van would be, you know, monster, but it's not. But it did have a 350 engine in it, <clears throat> which is very common for a lot of the uh, and they were in various iterations, but I cannot find the actual specs on what engine, what version engine they had in there. Other than uh, it was also, well, no, that was that was that was, it was the same engine that was offered in the '67 Camaro. The first time it was ever offered was in a '67 Camaro. Um, that's about all I can give on the van. Unfortunately, you'd think there'd be a lot more information yeah. out there, and if there is, I'd love to hear from you guys. You got something? No, no, that was it. Um... You know, cars are not my forte. Mine is more. Oh, of a, what? 
I thought I'd lost you for a second there. I lost you too, buddy. Yeah, we can move on. Uh, um, so, yeah, the A-team... Uh, Don't go! <laughs> earlier, when you said moving on, I blew a snot bubble, I have to admit. I just... <laughs> Oh, man. Like, I, I didn't, need, I didn't need that. I just was laughing so hard that it just kind of went bloop. All right, everybody. So that's it with the A-Team. Our next show. Now, this is normally the part where I play the theme song for the next show. And frankly, it seems kind of silly now. Um, the next show we're going to discuss is Stingray, which um, is kind of a cult show. Not a lot of people remember this show. And when it first premiered, it was actually a pretty decent-sized hit. But time and... You know, competition pretty much killed it off. You can find the complete series on DVD, just like the way you can find the complete series of the A-Team on DVD. And um, I believe I picked up the whole series of Stingray for about $7.99. It's from uh, Mill Creek Entertainment, so it's a really good buy. You get 25 episodes for dirt cheap. And uh, what did you think of the show, Ron? I loved it. I wish I'd have known about it when it was, when it was out. You know? Yeah, well, we were pretty young. <clears throat> I don't know how I missed it. Yeah, I mean, we were, what, you were only, what, eight, and I was seven when the show premiered, so you can't really, you know, that it's kind of a mature show. I think it aired at 10 o'clock at night, like, uh, because of the violence at the time, oh, it was so well, extreme, I... <laughs> so, at the time, I mean, now it seems like nothing, but um, to give you a general idea of what the show is, uh, basically, it kind of takes a concept of the A-Team, where it's people on the run, or kind of hiding out, and, what's that, Ron? What'd you say? I didn't say anything. Oh, uh, it's basically takes the idea nothing? of guys who are on the run. They're hiding. They're kind of mysterious characters, and people come to them for help. And he kind of just does it. You know, he uses costumes. He uses all sorts of like little tricks and tricks. He wasn't as action oriented. You know, not all about the guns and the you know the MacGyver themes. Oh yeah, this one thing we didn't discuss in A Team is the MacGyverisms. That almost started with the A Team, where they would just take something and just slap on all the stuff to make a new. Uh, weapon or a new vehicle that was kind of something that started there but macgyver definitely took it to the the ultimate degree it's too bad macgyver didn't have a cool car because then we could discuss that on a show but that's not gonna happen yeah yeah so the uh the stingray character which you never really know his name he just goes by ray sometimes is uh he was more like a kung fu guy at best he'd use a small gun he wasn't really a violent violent guy you know he i don't think his goal was to kill people and uh, that was kind of a cool thing. It was an R-rated show, and there was violence, but for some reason, he didn't seem to be all um, murder-crazy like some action stars seem to be. Right. I don't want to say murder, but you know, like in Miami Vice, it seemed like they were killing somebody every single episode, and that didn't seem to be really the point of Stingray. Let's say, I got, I'm just wondering, did you ever figure out what, what made him do what he's doing? No, I think the show, the show was, I think planning on revealing that but it just never happened it got canceled um at the end of the second season and it never came around they kept dropping little bits and pieces and here's what i think happened the violence of vietnam was so terrible for him i think he was like a special missions kind of person uh he right. seemed to be, it almost has a slight sci-fi bent to it to the fact that he seems to be enhanced um i'm only i'm only reading into this it's kind of like that show the sentinel do you remember the sentinel it was on for like five years where the guy yes. had, he had like heightened hearing, um, smells, you know, every his five senses were all heightened, and it seems that way with Stingray because he um, his memory was uh, absolutely in, insane. He could adopt any sort of language and Thank accent, you. and he could master any sort of equipment. It's like he was beyond; he was more human than human. And I get the feeling that these missions that he went on in Vietnam did serious damage. And when he came back, he kind of disappeared. 
and then he found that his skills could be used to help people who didn't have like the finances or the manpower and uh, that was kind of his mission but I don't know if the government really wanted to let him go or if he was like an experimental human um, was he allowed at all was he basically considered property of the government that's why he goes undercover why he isn't uh, you know he doesn't go by a real name he's always on the move that, that's one thing that I was always curious about that sounds right I don't know, or it works. Yeah, I mean, they don't really answer it. At the same time, there's some government people who seem to be connected to him that don't have a problem, like they don't want to capture him. It, it's, I don't know, it's kind of strange. It's also kind of like the airwolf method. It's like, well, we have better use of him. If we need him, just let him go. Just let him be at peace, and if he decides to help us, he helps us. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Capturing him is only going to make things worse, because then he's completely useless. <laughs> Now, this is another show that had a great theme by Mike Post. It seemed like almost like 50% of the shows in the 80s had a theme song by him. You know, Hill Street Blues, Stingray, A-Team, anything uh, really awesome and catchy seemed to be written by him. I sure hope he wrote in every contract that he gets royalties every time it's played. You know, that's actually uh, <laughs> was a common thing back then. Did you know that Alan Thicke wrote a crap ton of theme songs? And every time it plays or it's sold, he gets a check? That's awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that, but uh, like I'm watching, uh, I was watching Facts of Life the other day, and I see in the credits that Alan Thicke wrote it. And then I was listening to an interview with him on the Gilbert Godfrey show, and uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, I, that's what I primarily did before I became an actor was just write theme songs." And I was like, "That's crazy. I had no idea." I wish, I wish I had that kind of talent. Yeah, and of course, obviously, the music part went over to his son. And uh, he still acts occasionally, but uh, he's not really, I don't think he's pursuing any, like, regular parts, but I like Alan Thicke. Uh, the actor that stars in Stingray is kind of like um, an actor's actor. He was a star for maybe ten minutes. Uh, his name is Nick Mancuso. Uh, he's just one of those character actors. He had a big lead in this horror movie called Nightwing that Warner Brothers thought was going to be huge. It didn't really connect. He did a couple movies, like, with Charlton Heston and stuff like that, but then he found himself... Um, as a critically acclaimed actor, but not popular actor. And he was given the opportunity to do a TV show with Stephen J. Cannell, also the co-creator of uh, The A-Team. And uh, he says, I'll do it, but I'm Canadian. And I want to bring the money up, you know, the shooting money, the production costs, up to where I live to help that, you know, Vancouver was a growing film market. So not only right. did he help his people, he could stay home. He's almost primarily done stuff only in Canada. And um, the stuff he didn't do in Canada that I know, I know off the top of my head that you might recognize is uh, he was in, he's the main villain in Rapid Fire with Brandon Lee. Do you remember that movie? That's another, I was trying to figure out movies I'd seen him in before and I didn't see that one. But yes, uh, I have seen that one. Uh, he is in Under Siege 1 and 2 and then it kind of just tapers off from there. He would do character stuff. He did a really great TV show after this called, uh, I want to say it's called Matrix. Um, oddly enough, with uh, the girl who was trinity in matrix um carrie ann moss but yeah i think it was just like a, a slight sci-fi action show uh stingray like i said only lasted 25 uh episodes two seasons there was a point in time where stephen j Cannell came to nick mancuso and said hey your show is still doing well internationally and we've been syndicating it to some markets do you want to continue the show and he's like i'm very interested i love playing the character and this is in 1989 so it's a couple years after the show was canceled but when right. he saw how much the budget was going to be, he's like, how can we afford good writers? How can we do decent action and bring in some good guest stars at this cost? 
And he said, as much as I wanted to do it, I just couldn't see it being worth it. Like, I didn't want to ruin the legacy, even though it was short-lived, the legacy of the first two seasons by bringing in a third season that was garbage. Kind of like the way the... Go ahead. I said, that's awesome. That means he's he's taking some pride in it, you know what I mean? Yeah, he could have easily taken a paycheck and and moved on, but he didn't. Uh, There's uh, another show. Stephen J. Canal did an insane amount of TV shows from, like, 1978 to uh, 95. If you look at 21 Jump Street, there were four seasons that were pretty top-notch. I mean, yes, every season has episodes that don't work. But he wanted to pad the fifth season after Fox canceled the show. And um, so, basically, the fifth season is just Holly Robinson, Peter DeLuise for about six episodes, and Steve Williams as the captain. And then a whole bunch of new characters that you didn't know that weren't very good. And the budget, I believe, was $400,000 an episode when usually it was nearly a million. And the right, all the, almost all the writers were fired. Of course, most of the cast left. And he just wanted to pad it to get to 100 episodes so he could syndicate it. And at that point, you're just like, really? Did you really need to do it? Why couldn't you just let the show live the way it was instead of just making that last season so painful? Ugh. There's shows like that that they, they either change it so much to try to find a new audience or they uh, cut the costs. Like, what is it, Battlestar 1980, the one where they're on the motorcycles? That's, yeah. Oh, that was a way to keep the franchise alive, but it just wasn't very good. I say, wanted to mention, this kind of led me uh, back on a road of uh, nostalgia, I guess. But uh, he was in an episode of Erie, Indiana, The Other Dimension. Oh, you know, I never saw that one. That when they brought it back because it was doing so well internationally? Yeah, I didn't get to see The Other Dimension. Honestly, I didn't even know about it. But the original I watched and loved, um, it sadly, that didn't take off. Because I think they only made 19 episodes of it, but just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, we watched that. You and I, I think that's what we bonded on. Was, yeah. Um, yeah. I remember correctly, we were talking, we were playing handball or something in gym. The very first time we ever met was in gym class. We were talking, we we're playing handball, but the whole time I think we talked about like what we were into, like music and movies and TV shows. And I seem to recall having a conversation with you about how much we both loved uh, the episode of Indiana, Indiana, I think, that just aired was the one with Matt Frewer where he's in like the little um, capsule that would let him ride inside tornadoes. That's awesome. I, I can't remember I, that one. Yeah, I don't know if you remember that conversation. Yeah, but I remember us talking about that. We're like, that was such a good episode. It's such a weird and creepy show. Why don't they have more stuff on TV like that? And little did we know, just right around the corner was X-Files, and that would start a whole new uh, like genre of like mysterious investigations of you know weird happenings. I loved X-Files. There was yeah. another show he was in, or not show, movie he was in called, <laughs> and this brought back memories, let me tell you, Against the Law. Which with Richard Grieco. Richard Grieco. It was put on 97 with Richard Grieco. Richard, he plays this, oh man, I can't remember the exact details of it, but he's essentially a gunslinger or whatever. I don't know if he was an actor and was really good at it or whatever. I don't know, but um, I could just be pulling crap out of my butt there. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I just briefly looked at a, a trailer to see if I had actually seen that movie because it sounded familiar, and I, I have. Um, I have not. I didn't even know what this movie was. But I'm thinking about before. what brought back old memories was Greco and all the <laughs> some of the stuff we watched in the anyway. <laughs> did uh did you see um uh, what Richard Greco looks like now? He looks cadaverous. Everybody from Twenty One Jump Street looks amazing except for him. Yeah. He looks like uh, someone sucked this the, all the moisture out of his body, and he's just like. <sighs> <laughs> 
zombie. Yeah, it was bad. It's rough. Oh, man. All right. And um, uh, what are the details on the car in Stingray? Oh, I've got some good details on this one. When it comes to the Corvette, <clears throat> my brother-in-law, he's got a 1990. And I love the car, but I'll leave it to him. I've always been a Mustang guy. But I love vets like everyone else. But when it comes to if I had to choose which one I wanted or which style I would want, this would be it. And it just to me, it's the epitome of monster V8. You know what I mean? It's just uh, adrenaline rushing, uh, visceral. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, um, this uh, let's see. In '65, it was the first year they put the big block. I uh, put a big block in it, or I don't know if it was the first year of the big block or just the first year they put one in the Corvette. But it was a 6.5 liter. V8 with 396 cubic inches put out 425 horsepower at 410 foot pounds of torque of uh, face melting torque. Anyway, um, <laughs> it had uh, the car also had an option for a 327 fuel injected engine, but this is where it's kind of interesting. It makes you wonder where what's going on in the minds of the engineers or, or the powers that be, but uh, the fuel injected engine had 375 horsepower compared to the 425 in the the big block uh what's it say and at 245 dollars in 1965 money buyers they really couldn't justify buying it right there's only i mean 245 different dollars difference and you get less horsepower yeah and like compared in today's money that's about 1800 dollars difference yeah Anyway, that essentially marked the death of the fuel injection engine in the Corvette for 18 years. It would take 18 years before they'd bring another fuel injected back into the uh, into it. Oh, shame. It was also the first time that they saw they put four-wheel disc brakes in it. Uh, what does it say? Um, there was something I was leading. To, oh, the vet from the 18. Um, this is a 425 horse, right? Mm-hmm. Even the the uh, small block option was a uh, 350 horse. The V8, let's see, where is it? 200 horse. It was the only option available in the Corvette in 1984. It was 200 horse. Wow. That's pretty lame compared to 425. Yeah, that's, that's a big drop. <laughs> but anyway. You know, um, you know what's weird about this? Uh, I just realized these are both shows about guys that are kind of hidden on the run, and yet they uh-huh. had such iconic vehicles. Flash. Ours. <laughs> it's not like they had a generic. It's not like they were riding around in a Gremlin or a Ford Festiva. Um, by the way, everybody, if you've been listening to every single episode, um, it's like a drinking game. If I bring up the Ford Festiva, just take a drink. At least once per episode, I bring that up because it's the funniest thing for me to say. I love saying Ford Festiva. You gotta say souped up Ford Festiva. Yeah, souped up. I forgot that's the part. <laughs> oh, I didn't know where we got that from. I think it was from uh, Bob and Tom when we were kids. <laughs> think so <laughs> um but yeah it doesn't think it's, it seems kind of strange they didn't use generic vehicles they very recognizable unique vehicles and someone's like hey that's just like the vehicle the a-team rides around in oh are, are we calling them the a-team what those four guys that were always hunting we're calling them the a-team now i i, I guess it, is that not cool yeah yeah but uh, you're right that vehicle you don't see a whole lot like them that's odd you know the a-team <laughs> was in town just last night what are the chances Oh, wait, hold on, let's go get him. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. <clears throat> oh, 
Dang it. I was just thinking about that the other day. I, I can't remember what show it was. I'll have to think about that. But Anywho. Did I ruin your train of thought? Are you, were you done with the vehicle, or was my uh, impeachment oh, need oh, for <laughs> dorky trivia? I could say uh, dorky trivia. No, yeah. you're <laughs> I love dorky trivia. <laughs> okay, I think so the only other thing I had to offer was that that 350 horsepower motor that they offered was a small block was also an option, and that was the first time they, they because it was smaller, yeah. they could actually power steering in it. Could you imagine not having power steering? That, yeah, God, yes. <laughs> I, okay, I've actually, do you remember the time that we were driving up a hill, we were on the highway, we are coming up, and my uh, gas ran out. It ran out, we got to the very top of the hill, and we kind of just rolled the whole way to the gas station. But as we got to the gas station, I could not turn, because I had power steering. And we were all, all three of us in that truck were pulling on the steering wheel, trying to get it into the right spot so I can get some gas, and it died. Just Everything just killed the second we hit that spot. And I was like, what were the chances? What if we were going up the hill and it happened? We would have been so screwed. So, yes, power steering is wonderful. And manual steering is not so bad if you're moving. Yeah. We <laughs> but were. when you're moving at two miles an hour, it sucked. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, I believe we're done with Stingray. Is there anything else you want to say about the show? No, no. I, I'm definitely going to be watching the rest of them. Yeah. The third show and our final of the uh, this episode will discuss uh, The Highwayman. Like I said before, we kind of touched upon this when we were talking about Dukes of Hazard. It wasn't planned. It just came out of conversation. But now we've both had the chance to actually watch the show. I've seen it before, and um, it had been about eh, 12 years since I caught some bootlegs. But like I said, uh, if you're not going to make them available to the public, we got to find them somehow. we got to keep the show alive in one way or another. What did you think of The Highwayman? Westerns, I loved it. <laughs> it had, I don't know, eventually it got into, uh, at the beginning when he's coming up and along, you know, when we first introduced to the guy, I was thinking kind of sci-fi-like or whatever, but then it immediately moved into a Western feel, and I loved it. Yeah, it's weird. Like it's, a modern-day Western. It's a modern-day Western with Mad Max tone. Uh, but also the fact it has like yes. kind of that Knight Rider feel where it's like slightly futuristic, yeah. but not a post-apocalyptic future. It's, 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 a, it's a weird amalgam of certain things. Now, I really like the movie. Now, right. to give people an idea what the plot is, it's another one of those mysterious guys who goes from town to town to help people. Um, this was kind of towards the end of that, that, um, that, that mini-genre of guys with cool vehicles that were kind of just roaming from town to town. And... This time he works for a government agency that's like real top secret, and uh, so he's not on the run like the other shows. And he basically has this uh, semi, <laughs> the biggest semi you've ever seen in your life, that also has a couple secrets in it. What are those secrets, Ron? <clears throat> oh, couple secrets. Okay, I know of one in particular. Oh, did you get past the pilot movie? No. Oh, okay. The show continues. No. More vehicles were added as the show would go on. Oh, okay. No, I've I did read on about um, like another highwayman, if you will, had his vehicle and it had like a car or truck or something in it. I don't know what it is exactly, but <clears throat> excuse me. But um, his particular the, the highwayman's uh, vehicle concealed in the bullet shaped nose of the truck. Th this is what caught me it made me kind of like snicker a little bit in the movie yeah 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 <laughs> like okay it, it how's the surprise and i and i wrote this on purpose albeit a slow one. Oh my god it take forever 
But our patience, you know, our patience like, 30 years ago was totally different. We would just sit there and wait. Like, um, I was watching The Howling, and uh, it's the same special effects they use in Manimal, if anybody's seen Manimal. Yeah. It's where um, basically yeah. the, the air bladder effects, and you see everything stretch, and it takes like 10 minutes. But we're absorbed by it because we've never seen anything oh. like it. Now it's CGI, they change in two seconds, and we're done. But like you said, this this transformation from the helicopter popping out of the, the semi takes forever! Yes! And all the freaking cops are laying out to just, what is going on? Their jaws are on the ground going, should we shoot or should we just wait? <laughs> Let's just watch it all. Oh, like, like rotors coming up out of the top. Maybe we should do something. No, let's watch it. Let's make sure. <laughs> yeah, so a helicopter pops out of the top. But as the show progressed, if I remember correctly, um, I only just rewatched the the pilot movie, but I've seen the whole series. I'm pretty sure um, as the show changed, there was a car that was added to the back of the semi. And I believe a motorcycle was also added. So they're just, like, touching everything. I mean, next thing, if they made it to season two, there'd be skateboards and maybe a Razor scooter, maybe some rollerblades, a boogie board. <laughs> Heelys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. he would get desperate and pop them out of his... <laughs> the show changed dramatically. Well, you know, cops have moved that slow. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. The show changed dramatically from the movie to the show. The Are you movie... still there? The movie is actually really high budget. I really enjoyed the cast. It was like a who's who of, hey, that guy always plays a bad guy in A-Team, and that guy always plays a bad guy in The Fall Guy. It's like every great villain and stuntman was brought in for this movie. Rowdy, Roddy, Piper. Wings Hauser. Uh, Branscone Richmond from uh, Renegade. and the, like, It just never stops. Jimmy Smits. Yes. Wow, there is a massive delay between you and I now. That is annoying. I'll just sing songs between the breaks. <laughs> All right. Are you paused? No, we're live. We're going live. It's just there's a delay. We are live. We're live. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So what so, I have to count two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I'll just sing a song and and then just to kind of do a little jazz beat while I wait. Um. So yeah, the cast was huge for that first movie. The budget. There's lots of action. Um. Lots of locations. And then when the show came back. They um they cut the DJ girl, you know the one who's doing like the broadcasting from wherever. Uh, they fired her. Mm -hmm. um, they gave him a partner in Jocko. Do you remember Jocko? No. Jocko. I'm not talking about Michael Jackson. Jocko for a very very short period of time, everybody was crazy about him because uh, we had just come off of the success of Crocodile Dundee. So all of a sudden we we're really interested in what's going on with Australians, and he did battery commercials. Where he would go, oi! And that was pretty much it. I guess he was a soccer player, and then he just started becoming a battery pitch man. Huh. Yeah, and he was no, a star of the no, show. It's probably no one I saw. <laughs> well, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> and, of course, you mentioned in the last time we talked about this, the opening theme is narrated by none other than... Another? Oh, shoot. Yeah, I, I, I wrote... I, yeah. <laughs> oh, you forgot. William Conrad. William Conrad, my favorite, from Gunsmoke. All right, awesome. so that's what make, yeah. that that made it even more Western feel for me. That that part right there is, was awesome. Yeah, if you don't know who William Conrad is, he starred in Canon, uh, which was a detective show in the '70s, and then he started like a mystery show uh, in the early I want to say late '80s, early '90s called Jake and the Fat Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if I cut. Also. No, no, you're fine. He's also a Gunsmoke thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I heard, I heard all that. 
Okay. So the cool part is this was um also the end of the whole awesome car trend that would get it would, it would kind of lay down for a few years to get revived with Viper, but there was um I guess it just kind of exhausted that kind of genre. You know, Airwolf was dying off, A Team was gone, Night Rider was gone. So it's like Glenn A. Larson was going, you know what, this is our last shot. Let's make everything about this vehicle the coolest vehicle ever. Let's throw in, like, the Knight Rider panel boards, and let's give it a helicopter, and give it a motorcycle, and give it this futuristic look. And they gave him this gun that looked like a normal shotgun, but it was more like a rocket launcher. Uh, for a, a young boy, at the time I saw this show, this was, like, the greatest thing ever. Yes. You only get one shot with me. Sorry. <laughs> um, I really like Sam Jones. Sam Jones is very, very good in this role. He's likable. He's tough. He's sardonic. This seems like the perfect role for him, and yet somehow he never really became a star. Flash! Oh. <laughs> I totally did not make the connection. I don't know why. Maybe I'm losing it in my old age, but anyway. Well, he does look quite different. He doesn't have the long-dyed hair. Not the blonde. Uh, his persona is uh, quite different. This one, he seems slightly disconnected, like kind of like separate from everything, where he's just kind of looking at it with amusement instead of being solely like, oh, everything's resting right. on my shoulders. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I just feel like the show had a lot of potential, and they kind of blew it with the the series because uh, they changed the cast, the scripts were weaker, and um, I feel like some of the scripts I believe were reused from other shows. Like uh, this is the A Team script that wasn't good enough. You know, for the so we'll just patch it up and make it a Highwayman script. I don't know. It seemed like it had a lot of potential as maybe a movie series, but then they just it just got cheap and dull. Yeah, I I didn't get a chance to see the uh, or find rather the episodes, unfortunately. I'll get them to you. Uh, how many episodes did they do after that? Only eight. Okay. So it was eight. pretty short. Yeah. Kind of considered. It like seems like something series. I would have. It seems like something I would have definitely have kept up with, but it had a. All right. Welcome to the return of Full Throttle Podcast. We are now entering season three and sadly the final season. One major change in this season is we're going to be doing. Are you crying? Are you crying? Rob? I'm crying. I'm crying a little bit too, but we're running out of shows to talk about. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so maybe I front loaded the first season. Uh, the first, actually, two seasons were basically two or three shows per episode we discussed, like one popular one and something similar to it, like we did Airwolf, which was our first episode, but we combined it with Auto Man and Blue Thunder, which aren't as popular. Uh, so now we find ourselves in th season three with about six or seven shows worth discussing. Mind you, we know there's other shows, but I guarantee you I am never going to discuss Renegade. Yeah, he has an awesome motorcycle. <laughs> the show sucked. Uh, I know that it was on for seven yeah. seasons. I don't know why. But, How? Uh, I know, yeah. I know. There's got to be fans out there, but I've seen better shows last 13 episodes, and this thing went on forever. 
Um, <laughs> so let's say before we burn our bridges, if you're a fan of Renegade, cool. There's stuff that I like that you probably won't like and vice versa. Uh, so season three, I say we probably have six shows left to discuss. and We'll probably have about three episodes focused on movies. We're definitely doing the Cannonball Run trilogy, which most people don't realize there's a trilogy. There is a part three. Did you know that? Yes, I did know that. Speed Zone yes. is actually part Speed three. Zone. Um, and I think we'll probably yes. do one based on trucker movies, and then we'll probably find something else in there. You know, maybe, maybe a chopper, you know, like some, uh, you know, uh, Hell's Angels kind of movies. <laughs> um, so we're going to start off season three with Riptide. Now, all the rest of the episodes are minisodes, roughly a half hour, unless I stop talking now, or we'll end up at an hour. Uh, we probably have Viper, Knight Rider, and a couple others we're going to throw in there, and that'll be it. We'll move on to something else, and I, I'm very happy that everybody has supported us through the first two seasons. I can't believe yes, the numbers. Yes, thank you. We only do like one episode a month, and yet every month people are there, and it's just getting bigger and bigger, and I'm just stunned. So thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> All right. So Many get... thanks. <laughs> what did you say? Many, I don't know. Many <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Many tanks. I want a lot of tanks. We're going to blow some stuff up. All right, so bring them in, maybe. All that, right. that theme song for Riptide is, it might be one of my top five favorite theme songs. It's so elaborate. It, it, it's like three songs in one. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was just trying to figure out who wrote it, but I can't figure it out. It's Mike Post. Probably the same guy wrote every other one. Yeah, yeah, Mike Post did most of these theme songs. Okay. This one's a little bit different. Usually um, his have one or two levels. It'll start off kind of slow and pick up, or it'll be like really fast and kind of dip into a little more melodic. This one, it's... It has a little bit of the um, the guitar work of Simon and Simon theme song, and then it goes into like a mm -hmm. Beach Boys, and then throwing in the horns throughout well, it. It just well. yeah, it's, it's I turned it off like halfway through because it's a long, long theme song. There's no way they would tolerate that now. Uh, but that's like a, nearly a two minute theme song, but it's very good. Well, I mean, the the, the video that go runs behind it is pretty cool to watch yeah. too. So. Well, the funny I mean, thing is, if you watch the entire series, which I'm Ron, I'm not going to demand that you see every episode, but some eventually you should catch it. Uh, the the intro changes by the time they get to season three. It's the most eighties thing you can see. It's, it's like neon what? and flamingos. It's like Miami Vice meets uh, every music video you saw through the eighties, mixed in with maybe a little bit of like uh, Fast Times Original High and Ferris Bueller, like that kind of like era. It's just a chunk right there, nineteen eighty six. Oh, dude, I am looking at sheet music for this. <laughs> oh, oh, is this something you're planning on doing? Maybe. Let's see. Hmm. This seems, this maybe seems... we could do a new thing. If I'd ever learn how to actually play this guitar right, maybe I could play <laughs> I'll get themselves. a horn. I'll get a trumpet going. There we go. If they could convince Real Big Fish <laughs> to do a cover, like if they could open every concert with this theme song. <laughs> In a. Uh, so they're Scott. Are they Scott? No. Yeah, they're Scott. Okay, yes. So, yeah, that would be awesome. I, I could leave with that. Well, they're not. Okay, so some people actually say they're, they're not ska because that's more of a Jamaican sound. They're more pop ska, like where they combine garage rock with you know more right. radio sound. So, yeah, they're, they're still technically ska. I call them third wave ska where it's more California style. And speaking okay. of California, this show is like the epitome of all those shows in the 80s where you're like, oh, this must be what California looks like. And then you go to California and you're like, well, not everything looks like this. It's it's a 50 Where is it? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. 
you got a guy selling tickets. Right, hey, hey, 50 bucks. I'll show you where that California is at. And they take you to the movie lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, um, it's vibe. It's feel is very close to Simon and Simon. Like these blue collar guys, ex-Vietnam, uh, just trying to pay the bills. They take these, some cases they have to take in order to pay, you know, what, what they owe. And then some they do for like kind of charity, you know, like, oh, this guy's hard on his luck, but it's a really good case. Let's. They were very everyman, blue collar kind of detectives, right? And I think they kind of take that from pages of uh, the Rockford Files. You know, he was. That's like, kind of what I was thinking. He's like, I think the first uh, detective you ever saw that wasn't directly associated with some sort of police force and was kind of like a stumble bum, just kind of like a normal Joe. Right. Well, that's the one episode I oh, I wish I could cite which episode, but um, they take on a case where the, these smart people are in this think tank and they're getting picked off. Um, anyway, and the one lady that um, hires them actually went to school with, uh, what's his character's Oz. name? Uh, Joe, Joe Penny's oh, okay. uh, character. Uh, and Allen. he was no, I'm sorry, the typical were, jock. Let, let's say the character's name real quick before everybody uh, climbs up our butt. Uh, Perry King, Captain Mustache, the blonde hair was Cody Allen. Joe Penny, the Italian muscle man was Nick Ryder. And the genius brain behind it all, Tom Bray, played Murray Boz Bazinski. Do you like my radio voice? <laughs> yeah, that's right, everybody. It. Catch us on Saturday many nights. Years from now. <laughs> <laughs> Live on. Yeah, I don't got a radio voice. You know, I'm doing podcasts. I, I, <laughs> I actually brought myself around to listening to some of the podcasts that we do, uh, which you think that I would listen to every episode, but I only catch snippets, and then I hear my voice, and I go, ah. Um, there's two different voices that I have. There's the one from when I used to work in radio, uh, or the one that I greet guests when I work. Um, uh, mind you, I mean, this is an entertainment kind of thing, but we're both blue collar people. We just, we do normal things to pay the bills. You know, you're yep. a dad and I'm a schmuck who asks people if they need help finding anything. Um, <laughs> but when I, when we usually, when I do the show, it's more conversational. My voice relaxes and, uh, it's not as broadcast worthy and more nasally. It's a little more scratchy. It's how, I mean, this is more normal conversation voice right now. Well, that's why our post comes in. <laughs> I'll change my voice. You can edit and post and get your voice started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very wise. Oh, yeah. Now it's not like, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, apparently, I. Anyway. I sound like I'm from Memphis now. <laughs> if you hold your throat. And you kind of, uh, like, right where your larynx, not where, um, no, uh, your... Fun word. Lymph nodes. Where you hold your lymph nodes, you talk like this all day. How's it going, baby? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But after you're 10 like, minutes, no, I, can't. I imagine, like, oh, ah. <laughs> uh, We just did, uh, we just did, and this tells you how much I actually do anything vocally. We just did a Mother's Day CD for my wife, my, yeah. my kids and I, and... Like in a pinch and in a hurry, we had to throw together a bunch of songs because they didn't have the hardware. And at the last minute, got the hardware. And okay, we got to whip this out fast. And man, my throat hurt for two days after that. Oh, oh. that sucks. Oh. Like, I was lucky I made it through the sessions. But <laughs> Which is why we're anyway. a little late on this episode. We were going to do it last week, but I was like, I don't think anybody's in any hurry. So let's just do it a week later. Uh, oh, you know, sorry, we interrupted. Uh, you were telling a story about one of the episodes. What was it? Um, oh, is what we're talking about blue collar, down to earth kind of guys. Uh, oh, I forgot his Cody character Allen. name again already. Cody Allen, and uh, he went to school with this smart girl, 
and apparently was the only one that ever talked to her. Uh, she thought he was he was a typical jock. I don't want to go all the way into the story and tell a big long drawn out story, but it, it just brought him down to earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's not that guy anymore. He grows up. You know, he's 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 trying. He's spending the episode trying to convince her. He, he has no idea why she doesn't like him. And she thought he was leading him on that sort of thing. But anyway, but she thought he was a typical jock, but he was, you know, he's not that guy anymore type of people grow up, people change, you know, and yeah, yeah we shouldn't be held I don't to know. our behavior from a decade ago or two decades ago, which is weird because in politics, they do that all the time. But if I were to be judged by what I did at 18, oh, man, I would slap oh, no. my own, I would slap my <laughs> face. I'd kick my butt, my butt around. I was like, well, are you an idiot? What is wrong with you? <laughs> no, but they, we they did some bump jumping didn't we do that <laughs> yeah they uh they're um there's a lot of heart in this show and in fact of all the shows that we've discussed in this series this is my favorite because um even from the very first episode you get that these guys are together for a very i mean because they're family to each other um right he tells that story about them in vietnam how boz wasn't really supposed to be there he didn't know what he was doing he was terrified and they basically became like the, his older brothers you know, protecting them right. through their tour of duty, and they came back. Of course, uh, their personalities took them in different directions. Boz went into technology, you know, started working in software and stuff like that, whereas the other two, they used their skills from being soldiers uh, as private detectives. And I think it's funny, as the seasons would go on, how Boz actually started to become in charge. He's the one that basically gave them a guilt trip. If they started being superficial, like going after something that was just, like, pointless... Like, oh, it's just right. money. You know, we have enough to pay the bills. Let's do the right thing. You know, he was like the soul of the team. And, you know, and they always listened to reason. But then it just got more complicated. It's one of the few shows that's of this style, especially in the 80s when they're so kind of um, stylized fakeness. You know, like A-Team, as much as, you know, people love it, there really isn't a whole lot of heart. You can watch a couple episodes and they're all kind of the same. Same thing with Knight Rider. Riptide evolved right. into, like, by the time you get to season three, uh... You know they're having uh, relationships that are building with other people that are kind of tearing apart their friendship and how the detective agency changes. It, it got better and better, and it's just a damn shame that it got canceled because NBC refused to reschedule it when uh, Moonlighting started kicking its butt in the ratings. They could have saved oh. it. They could have gone on to a season four, but they, they were adamant. They're like, we're going to stay here, and we're going to defeat Moonlighting, even though every single week you saw it dropping a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit right. more. And I, I don't get the logic. Maybe they didn't have a space on their roster to put it somewhere else, but putting two detective shows that had action and comedy against each other was the dumbest mistake. NBC should have backed out immediately. Right. So that's another show I really loves. Yeah, but I can't remember. Thinking back, I can't remember if I watched this when it was on. This? I, I did not catch this originally. We were a Moonlighting family. We watched that show. We did too. Um, I did not catch this show um, until about ten years ago. I, I feel like I have vague memories of seeing it because I always remember that robot that Boz had. Like I, the minute I see it, I would always go, "Oh yeah, I remember that show," but I don't remember anything about the show. Uh, so I don't know if I right. saw trailers or maybe I caught a few episodes as a kid, like in syndication reruns. But um, it wasn't until they started releasing the first season on DVD, and then I got really got into it. And um, then I didn't. I have every episode on disc, but for some reason I just kind of sat on it and didn't finish the show, and I just finished it now. That's and probably was, why. Uh, what, what's that? Why? I'm too distracted. I, I, Let I, me sit on it. No, yeah, <laughs> it's under my butt. It's like, this thing stinks. <laughs> no, but it's it's Sorry. definitely a show that got better as it went on, and, and it's kind of a shame. Uh, well, 
hold on. It is a shame that it got canceled, but you always worry about TV shows back in the day that there's a, there's a point where they usually hit, and they're like, oh, they should have canceled this, and it's still going and still going and still right. going, even though it's not good anymore. There's so many shows that are like that. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them are cartoons, I think. But Most anyway. of them, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, the first five episodes, then after they like, ooh, why is this still on? <laughs> it's like, I, I'm not going to call out The Simpsons, I guess, but... I guess I am. <laughs> okay, I will like, say this. I, I, I love The Simpsons, yeah. but it just seems like they... How can they... How do they keep coming up with new stuff? It just... Well, they never evolve I, characters either. That's the weirdest thing, is they never change. They never really move on. And if they do have anything special... Oh, uh, Homer has a new job. It, it's just for that one episode. And it's kind of the way the way right. TV used to be. Oh, I'm a millionaire, or I have this thing. And like at the end of the episode, like, oh, it's all over. <laughs> oh, I had a right. relationship. I love this one. By the end of the episode, we're broken up. Oh... Uh... Yeah, it, I don't know. But I will say this. I watched The Simpsons this season, and all of a sudden, I don't know if they changed the whole writing staff, but it's a lot better. It's it's the best it's been in a decade. I get the feeling you're not there anymore. By the doll. Hey, everybody. I think Ron just cut out on me. All okay, right. Okay, Sarah, everybody, we got Ron back. Um, That was weird. I hate Skype sometimes. Hey! We'll never get sponsorship from Skype, obviously, because we bitch about it like every... <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the shows that I do at least once every month, we're like, damn it! Um... <laughs> so with the cast, uh, I will say uh, there, Perry King, um, you know, he did a bunch of those like uh, Daniel Steele TV movies and kind of disappeared. Uh, Joe Penny, yeah. we, had, we had discussed um, possibly adding another show to this, Jake and the Fat Man, because, you know, uh, he was on that as well. But we're like, we're really stretching the topic of the show beyond, you know, sh uh, shows of cool cars. Yes, he had a car that was kind of right. nice, but nothing special. So we're just like, drop it. Let's just do mini shows. Because then I started going, well, what about Hunter? And we're like, he just has a very common car. <laughs> right. Uh, and then Tom Bray, <laughs> uh, he did a bunch of like horror movies after this. And uh, did the voice work for the Attack of the Killer Tomatoes cartoon. Did you ever watch that? Yes. I did not know that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he is now a teacher up here in Oregon, uh, in Beaverton, Oregon. So he's teaching the next generation about acting. So it's cool. E even though he couldn't get a lot of jobs in the business, he was smart enough to know, well, maybe I should get the next generation prepared for what it's like to be in the industry. I like that. I think one of the other ones was teaching as well, wasn't it? Um, which one? Dang it. I just read that before we started this. Anyway, moving on. All right. Um, it's this, lost. This is a weird coincidence that in January, February of 1984, we had three action shows premiere at the same time. You had uh, Airwolf, Blue Thunder, and Riptide. And all three of them had helicopters. So, um, you know, I get why Blue Thunder uh, was immediately pulled from the schedule. It just wasn't very good. ABC just kind of uh, took a name they knew. And it's, it's okay for maybe a couple episodes, but obviously not enough to go for a whole series. Airwolf is awesome. That fell apart at the end when they killed off everybody yeah. and shot it in Canada. And then this is the one that I think <laughs> is the best. And I think it actually did the best in the ratings. And it didn't cost anywhere nearly as much as Airwolf. Airwolf was a very expensive uh, show that I think actually, if I remember correctly, Universal ate half the cost on season three just to get to syndication. And then CBS kind of said, well, you're not going to get enough episodes to syndication. Like, damn it! <laughs> Crap. Yeah, so this one, you know, there's not enough episodes for this either. That's why you rarely ever saw it in syndication. I think it aired on, like, USA or TBS or something when I was a kid. And other than that, it's uh, it's pretty much uh, the DVDs, which the entire series is available. You can find a bunch of episodes on YouTube. 
And that is about it. This is another one of those Stephen J. Cannell shows, which I would say half the shows we discuss in this series is one of his. Um, there's a lot more weight in this than a lot of his fluffy stuff, especially that, like, he did Renegade, and he did Silk Stockings. That stuff's kind of stinky. But um, he did do some good shows. He did Wise Guy, which is phenomenal. He did the Werewolf TV show. Did you oh. watch that as a kid? The Werewolf TV show? Yeah. Do you remember on Fox? Does not sound familiar. Doesn't ring a bell. Oh, it's it, oh, you got to see it. I think it's on YouTube. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, it's not Stephen J. Cannell. The co-creator of Riptide is Frank Lupo. He did most of his shows with Stephen J. Cannell, but he also did shows on his own. He did Werewolf. He did Raven. Do you remember that one with Lee Majors and? Um, yes. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name that played Raven. It was like one of those martial arts show. Uh, created Walker Texas Ranger. Um, Stingray. Love that show. Which we love Stingray, um, which you had mm -hmm. never heard of, I think, before we started doing the show, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm a new fan. Yeah. Creator of Hunter, <laughs> creator of uh, Greatest American Hero, uh, one of the main writers on Magnum P.I. So this guy did a lot of stuff. BJ and the Bear, Battlestar Galactica, Sheriff Lobo. Let's ignore the fact that Galactica 1980 exists. <laughs> what? Galactica, oh, what are you talking about? That's that's Battlestar Galactica, but on motorcycles in 1980. <laughs> so uh, we're gonna discuss that. See, everybody, after we end full throttle uh, podcast, we're gonna move over to full throttle sci-fi, or we're, we'll come up with another name. But it's gonna be about all those cool sci-fi shows of our youth. So we're gonna discussing like Voyagers and um, uh, Battlestar yes. Galactica, Buck Rogers. Uh, sliders, quantum beep, beep, beep. stuff like that. <laughs> uh, Stephen J. Cannell, um, I would give you his filmography, but it would go on for 80 episodes. Uh, yeah, we'd be here forever. Yeah, we'd be forever. Let's just say The Commish, uh, Wise Guy, Booker, 21 Jump Street, you know, stuff like that. So, moving on, just IMDb him, people. All right, so here is probably your favorite part of the show if you're a fan of this. Let's get the details on the vehicles. Go ahead, Ron. Hit them. Details on the vehicles. You talk about many, 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 many movies done by Canal, and you'll find these two guys. Um, the people from Unique Movie Cars of Las Vegas, they built just about every car done by and anything Canal has done, it seems like. Um, to count, let's see, to date, or from what I saw, the, now this was written in 2003, the biography that I got this from, but there's 52 movies in total, according to that website, and 26 shows in total, and most of them were Canal shows. <laughs> any, any movies that you say, know? Any famous movies? Oh, yeah, there's plenty of them. Let's see, we have uh, Sly's Cobra, uh, Days of Thunder, Dick Tracy, Dumb and Dumber, they did the Muttmobile. Uh, <laughs> oh, Cannibal... I love that vehicle. <laughs> yes. The Shaggy did, Wagon. Uh, <laughs> the shaggy wagon it wasn't the shaggy wagon <laughs> oops i just made it filthy well, well i don't know it's a, it's a shaggy dog so anyway <laughs> well yeah I like to name another few big ones it'd be uh smoking the bandit cannonball run back to the future and my personal favorite we just covered this one or two episodes ago the wraith oh yeah yeah Awesome. And then, of course, some other shows that you mentioned earlier, night uh, TV shows, Knight Rider, A-Team, Hardcastle McCormick, Nash Bridges, Fall Guy, Viper, Happy Days, and they even did some stuff from MASH as well. And there's obviously, that's just to name a few of them, but I guess three decades they've been in this business, it says. Anyway, so that leads us to the cars that they've built, and one of them they built was this, the 1960 Corvette, and that was driven by Joe Penny's character, Nick 
Ryder. Nick, no, you do the voice better. Nick Ryder. Nick Ryder, Nick. detective. <laughs> I don't have anything else. Uh, freelance detective. Who Lazy drove man. the vet. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that in the first season it was very heavy on, like, uh, Jiggle Factor? Like, it had that Aaron Spelling yeah. kind of, oh, more ladies in bikini. And then as the series went on, they're like, oh, wait, women watch this? We should probably tone it down a bit. <laughs> tone it down. <laughs> well, that's where, the, if you guys look, we were talking about the theme song earlier, it kind of goes into that whole California vibe. Yeah. Well, of course, that's the Jiggle Factor's walking through the screen shot. So, anyway, uh, moving on. Um. <laughs> moving on up. To the okay, so <laughs> where was it? I don't know what show we were covering a while back where there was a Corvette, and I said, you know, these are everybody knows the information about these, but I I looked back on that episode and I thought, you know, I probably should have covered a little bit more on that, and I'm sorry about that. So we're going to cover a little bit on the C1. Uh, it was a 1960 Corvette C1. This was the first generation Corvette. Uh, I believe 53 was the first one that was made. Um, Remember those commercials about Harley Earl, you know, those yeah, Chevy yeah, commercials? Yeah, but he's the one that talked GM into making this car. He convinced them they needed a moderately priced two-seat sports car to take on the likes of MG and Jaguar and Jaguar, Jaguar. How do you say it? Jag- Jaguar. Jag- Jaguar. Jaguar. We're, 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 we're American, so we say Jaguar. Jaguar. <laughs> Anyway, and Alfa Romeo, to name a few of those, they were all these two-seater sports cars that uh, the GIs were bringing home after being serving overseas. They were bringing these cars home from Europe, and we had nothing over here for them. So, enter the Corvette. Awesome. I'm so glad he he had that foresight for them. Anyway, uh, this car was pretty much built with off-the-shelf mechanicals. even the chassis and suspension were repurposed from their 4954 Chevy uh, passenger vehicle. So it was nothing special until you got the, to the styling and what have you. Engines were all 283 cubic inch. They had two carbureted engines, one with a 270 horsepower. Uh, and for those of you who know what these are, Carter 2613 and 2614 four-barrel carbs. And then they also released two fuel-injected models uh, with the highest output being 290 horse. And... The cool thing about that is you can't get this these days. The only way you could get those uh, higher output was if you got the manual transmission. The fuel-injected ones, you had to get a manual transmission. It's like nowadays you're you're being forced into an automatic. I hate that. (laughs) I don't know how to drive a manual, so I'm completely okay with the automatic, but I get I remember you trying to teach me. Remember you trying to teach me how to do manual? Or was Robert trying to teach me? Yeah, I, I might have been Robert because I I, I had, didn't get a car till college. <laughs> I had no patience whatsoever, and I was just like, "Oh God, I can't figure this out. Screw it, I'm done." I was a slacker, man. I didn't need a car because I had Robert, I had you, I had Dave. They, you all had cars. I didn't need to drive anywhere. <laughs> I rode my bike to the to where you guys were at, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, but you lived out in the middle of nowhere, so that must have been kind of rough. Well, and then but, I had Eric, and he lived with us. So, but, but your your thighs were the size of a Jupiter. They were like a most metal oh, muscle, muscle, muscle. I had the yes, I had the legs of a god. Anyway, um, <laughs> I remember you you were able to jump things that nobody else on the planet really could, except like parkour guys. You were doing parkour before parkour was even a thing. I remember you just like jumping over right. like cars and fences and stuff like that. It's because your legs were like yak legs. Trash cans, tables in the commons yes <laughs> i'll tell you what though i'm I'm looking back on that now and i'm thinking about how the shape my knees are in and I'm, you know we were talking earlier about slapping ourselves 
That's you should have done yoga. That yoga saves my knees every time. Sorry, I went off Where were we? Where were we? Okay, we're we're moving on from the C1 Corvette. Oh, inter- interesting tidbit. There's our word again. Uh, that's right, this, everybody. Uh, the six- the Full Throttle t- Podcast. Make sure you take a drink. That's our drinking game for the show. Every time we say <laughs> tidbit, take a drink. And if I follow it up with, make sure you didn't say the other word or some other play on that, take another drink. By the end of this episode, you'll be sloshed. <laughs> you guys did it. You know. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> I'm I'm sloshed right now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, okay. What's it? Uh, <laughs> well, actually, okay. I had a thought there, but I lost it. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm sniffing it too. Oh man! All right, we're going to move on to the car that I thought you that you said you liked a lot. The Jimmy. The thing you thought was a you thought was a Jeep, but. <laughs> It's a Jimmy. We're not, yeah, not that kind. Uh, it's a GMC S15 Jimmy, 1983. And the cool thing about this, this was also built by uh, Unique Movie Cars. I, I really ought to be telling you the, the guy's names. It's a father and son cup uh, family, but I cannot remember. It was it's Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen. I just know it. That throws <laughs> are the right names. <laughs> I see. Mar- Mario and Michael, I think. Oh, Andrew, Maybe. <laughs> That's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> this is how our episode is going to oh, just end. It's always just laughing all the time. We're going to all live laughing. <laughs> oh, oh, man. People at home are just pissed. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and, and breathe. Forward dog. No, anyway. Um, <laughs> Ron just fell on the floor because he, he has no balance. This, this reminds um, me of. When we were kids, we used to take um, the tape recorder that we had, and we used to record ourselves just talking about whatever, and then we would play it back in high speed and laugh until like 2 o'clock in the morning right. until someone came and told us to be quiet and everybody else was sleeping. <laughs> Clean the neighbors. Shut, Shut the hell up! up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn kids. Anyway. Get off my lawn! Sorry. Why are you recording stuff and playing it back on my lawn? <laughs> Go to bed, old man! We're watching Riptide! <laughs> on high speed. We are. We're fast forwarding. We, Cody, get the gun. Wait, play it back in slow mo. Cody, <laughs> hey, how <are> you... <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> I don't know oh, where man. we're at at all. And so, Rick... <laughs> I'm talking about my Jimmy. <laughs> Let's... Top Jimmy. Let's just start, let's just start going through Van Halen songs. <laughs> my favorite Van Halen song. Oh my goodness! I'm just All right. Gigolo. You son of a. That's a David Lee Ross song. We do not acknowledge anything he did post. We do acknowledge that. That's right. He is not Van Halen. Um. What about and the then oh, Wait, minute, I said that wrong. Like, anyway. I'm sorry, it's, it's Hagar's <laughs> night. It's, anyway, <laughs> wait, tangent, tangent, get back, come on, reel it in, reel it in. Oh, what were we on? Uh, we're talking Jimmy. about the GMC. Not Jimmy. that kind, though. Uh. <laughs> okay, so Perry King's character, Cody Allen, drove this truck. And I got to look at that real quick. Now, yeah. the truck, okay, the yes. truck replaced now, the car. Uh, I think the car was in the yes. first two, but in the third season, they switched over to the GMC Jimmy. 
Uh, I remember seeing these around town, but they weren't very common, and they were just they're kind of unusual design, so it really caught your attention. Well, this car was a custom design, and I think the biggest reason for it was I think it was a great idea, but the reason behind it was so that they could see their characters in the vehicle. And it because it's set out in California, it's got that good California vibe to it. It had a bimini top on the back, one of those kind of just folds back and just kind of sits back there. But you could fold it up and cover yourself up, and you're good to go. But now I have no idea if it like covered the sides or anything, like a regular convertible with roll-up windows and everything, and everything fits. It may have just been one of those just open side. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get completely wet type of things. But yeah. I thought when I saw this truck, when I finally saw the episodes with this in it, I'm thinking, ooh, that looks like a fun little truck. Yeah. Well, it's also conducive to filming because uh, you don't have to worry about having the light. If there's a roof, you know, it since it's in California, right? there's all that natural light. So it saved time and money. Shoot, TV shows shoot very, very fast. They can't take all this time to set up lighting for camera work that'll, oh, here's five seconds of this, and that took two hours. Right. <laughs> well, the big thing, the thing that's, that's, that's pretty much all this truck had going for it. Is that it's cool-looking little concept truck. It's fun, but it had a whopping, and I had no idea. I can't find any ideas which specific engine was in this, but I can tell you, like, the 2.8-liter V6 that was offered in 83, only put out a whopping 110 horse. They had a 58 horsepower option available for your, like, uh, probably in California because <laughs> yeah. of your emission issues and what have you. Like, seriously? <laughs> Could that even pull it? <laughs> well, anyway. Yeah, it uh, seemed like more like one of those, uh, you know, riding just around town, not inner city travel. Right, definitely, and, and I'm not I'm not knocking it at all. It's like I love if if I had an option to own one of those things, I would definitely jump on that because I think it's it's pretty cool looking. Now, to give it to be fair to the the Blazers and the Jimmies, I had a '95 Blazer, and I think even in what, what did it say um, in '88 they offered a 4.3 liter that actually put out 150 horse. So that's not bad at all. My truck had a 4.3 Vortec and it had 200 horse, and that's pretty respectable for that, and I loved my Blazer. I hated oh, to see it go. Why don't but... I remember this? When did you own this? <clears throat> oh, this was this is after you moved out out uh, west. Okay, okay. But yeah, I bought this after my second Mustang LX. I, I think moved out uh, west in search of gold. Right. <laughs> <laughs> diddly diddly dee. I'm gonna chew on some gold. It's real. The, it's the black gold or the? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm making up nonsense. <laughs> right. Here's an interesting. I was going through the uh, facts on this on this truck or on the Blazers, and they found out that, believe it or not, the Jimmy shared a six-cylinder uh, engine that was also used in the Jeep Cherokee. Well, Which I'm thinking, what? wow, you don't offer. Yeah, we had a Blazer for a while. I think it was a '95 as well. But you had a Blazer. Remember, we had the green and brown. I'm sure it was a Blazer. We had it for like a few years. We bought it used. I know you had a truck. I you had, had a little truck, Chevy truck. But, but I had a truck with my parents had a blazer. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Oh, this episode's going to be right, right, on. It's supposed to be a mini-sode. Right. Okay, <laughs> well, so I'll just go there. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting that, that they shared, that Chrysler and GM shared an engine. But I guess it's real, probably not all that uncommon because I dug it in a little deeper. It's actually made by a Suzu. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're going to move on from that cool little truck. And just real quick. I'll touch on a few things because uh, we can't leave this without touching on the screaming Mimi. Yeah, there's nothing on the app top. Uh, it's probably just your normal everyday speed boat. Uh, well, no, no, no. 
Wait, they live. It's not on the a... speedboat. That's the helicopter. No, no, the ebb tide is the speedboat they use, but I don't remember them using the speedboat very often. I think it actually blew up somewhere in the first or second season. They lived on a boat, okay. but they also had another boat. Kind of confusing. They had a Red. lot of vehicles going on this. This is the smart version of Highwayman, where he had all the vehicles combined into one, which is not as <laughs> ridiculous. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, the Screaming Mimi is the helicopter that always seemed like it was barely held together. It was like the Millennium Falcon of their awesome. show. Yeah, it was like one of those, everything's being held <laughs> yes. together with duct tape. What a hunk of junk. <laughs> well, the cool thing about it, I get a couple of quick tidbits on this one are, uh, like you said, this helicopter always looked like it was on its way to the helicopter, to the uh, aircraft boneyard. Yeah. It's always smoking. Anyway, this is actually a Sikorsky S-58T helicopter. It was, they called it the Screaming Mimi. I think that was just the name of the show. Uh why, I don't know. I never caught that. But this aircraft was designed as an anti-submarine bird for the U.S. Navy. Huh. So I guess they had, like, these, like, like hanging sonar equipment. They'd get down and then they'd, like, submerse it in water and then, I don't know exactly oh, what their duties were. I just assumed because they're all were. pieces of crap and they would just crash right into the submarine. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we got another one! <laughs> Actually, it's a, thankfully, it wasn't a piece of crap. But um, <laughs> it was built between fifty-three and seventy, and it was replaced by a more common helicopter. If, if anybody's seen a, a Vietnam movie, they know of the UH-1 Huey. Yeah. So that's that's what that helicopter replaced the uh, Sikorsky. And but leading up to that, that that thing was a really it was a workhorse. It was actually used. In the military of over 25 different countries, uh, its roles ranged from utility transport, search and rescue, firefighting, astronaut retrieval. They used that to pick up the the astronauts and the pods until it got too heavy space, to carry. Outer but... space. Well, that thing's going up no, pretty high. Not so <laughs> and then it went all the way up the rung to our presidents. Um, from 58 to 61, it transported Eisenhower and JFK. Oh, that's cool. So... Pretty cool, and that's all I got on that one. But yeah. other than, and I think it's the coolest thing in the whole. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks cool. I love the the face painted on and everything. Um, I want to say this real quick. There, uh, the very first episode, which is actually a movie, uh, they used to do this back in the day. If they would make a pilot that was a movie length or whatever, just in case the network didn't pick it up, they could just sell it on you know syndication or on disc or right. what or not disc uh, VHS tape back in the day. Uh, the very first episode, the villain is Robert Vaharo, which is my friend Will Vaharo's dad. Uh, he wasn't really much of a star. He had a couple moments where he would like be a support in a, a well-known movie. But for the most part, if you look at his filmography, he was in every single T show that we loved from like the late seventies throughout the mid eighties. Uh, like eighty shows that he would show up on as like the tough guy. Uh, sadly, he doesn't <laughs> act anymore because I think he just got tired of playing the same role over and over. But he's a really good actor. That right. Didn't get a ton of exposure. But uh, um, I just remember that from the first episode thinking, holy crap, I know that guy. <laughs> That's awesome. So is he? He's still acting, it looks like. I'm looking in here and he's at, well, yeah. up till 2008. Yeah, he I guess. picks up a few things here and there, but I just don't think that he was ever satisfied. I, I've never actually spoken to him myself, but me and Will right. communicate all the time. Will's a writer. Uh, he does a bunch of detective novels now. Um, if you ever check it out, it's really cool. Um, uh, give me, hold on a second. Just check out Will Faharo. He does like these really like old school style, like 40s 
uh, you know, the detectives with trench coats and hats and stuff like that, and they're oh, like, you know, my favorite pop novels, they're kind of lurid and lots of crime and stuff like that. Um, but if you're into that kind of thing, definitely check those books out. They're awesome. Thrillville. Yeah. Is that uh, is that his Thrillville.net? Yeah, that's his website. Uh, he decided to take control of his his future publishings. I know usually when people say self-published, that means that they're not good enough to be picked up by another publisher. It's just one of those deals where the companies that he was always associated with, I don't think were going with what he wanted in the books. Um, so he decided mm-hmm. to take control. And in this day and age, do you really need a publisher? We have, you know, uh, yeah. Kindle and you know other companies where you would direct or print on demand. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So it's a writer's world where you can control your medium the way you want the artwork to look like, what you want the story to be like. You know, you edit your own way. Uh, sometimes that can be a disaster um, or it ends up exactly the right way if it's the perfect writer. You know, you have some people out there having success with, I slept with a werewolf, you know, like we, uh, I dated a unicorn. <laughs> those, those are not novels, people. That's exploitation. Uh, but his stuff is pretty solid. I'm going off on a serious tangent here, but if you like... Um, crime stuff it, it's it, it's your bag right there check it out um but also, that's right on my alley yeah check out um robert vaharo's stuff too because he's pretty much in every show that we discuss on the show he's a bad guy at least one episode you know yep. all right so, i'm looking at it's like, it's like 57 credits to his name yeah nice uh this is my favorite uh, of the show so far but we have not covered knight rider or viper and i was a huge fan of viper growing up so i may change my mind oh, oh. So eventually we're going to get to that. I don't know what the next episode is going to be. Um, you know what? Screw it. Let's just go ahead and get Knight Rider out of the way. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's just we stop talking about it. Let's do it. Do it now. Let's do it. Do it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Check us out on Facebook under Retro Rocket Entertainment. But guess what? If you really like this podcast, we made a page especially for it where we share not only the episodes of the show, but you, my co-host and creator, Ron, and our friend Robert um, have basically decided to like share other stuff in the car truck via anything cool vehicle wise uh movie wise that have anything to do with cars and stuff like that they put on this page so go there like it check it out and share stuff if you want to share if you find something cool on a vehicle that you think would uh, interest us post it and just so you know if if you see us liking our own posts that's weird we it's, haven't quite figured it out yet yeah, i don't know <laughs> you will post something and i will like it and it should say my name but it doesn't say my name this is right. uh, uh, Full Throttle Podcast likes this, and that's kind of weird. It's like Ricky Henderson, the way he talks in third person. Ricky Henderson is the best player ever. He is the fastest. Right. Ricky Henderson, it's like, you are Ricky Henderson. What are you doing? Only the Incredible Hawk is allowed to talk like this. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> People talk in third person, it's bizarre. I, I run into it every once a blue moon, and you're like, do you not know you're this person? Are you splitting off your personality? Stop it. <laughs> I never do that. Ron never does that. Ron never ever does that. Nope. Uh, This is Michael saying, Michael's awesome. Now, uh, actually saying, everybody be excellent to each other. Thank you, Ron, for joining me. Let's make this season three the best ever. Yes. Ah! That's it. I don't know how to end this episode. Goodbye. Later.